In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. I don't know, like, for your your general structure, so it seems like you guys mostly focus on, so I guess... I guess that we could have this conversation as part of the podcast, but is it just literally remaking the 1970s Superman film with a new cast and a new director, or is it like, oh, here's in a completely different way to approach? It depends on the movie. So for okay. something like Princess Bride, mm-hmm. it's the same basic script, but we okay. like make changes to make it a little bit less one lady. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or for, but for something like Police Academy, we made a lot of more systematic changes because that movie is also very sexist. Oh, okay. Never seen it, actually. Okay, yeah, because I guess we've had a number of Superman projects at this point, because my, my whole thing was more like the story pitch. Yeah. And like, then I thought I'd spend some time today thinking about casting a little bit, but I don't know. I went more. a little bit harder on casting okay, than good. I thought, just because I, I I ended up just having fun with it. No, I feel like if I had actually sat down to do it, I would have really had fun with it. Oh, well, I'm, I'm have a conversation about each one. It'll be cool. Actually, I know what I'll do. But it depends on the movie. So if you want to have, like, this is your idea for what a good Superman movie is, at this <laughs> point... Superman's happened so many times that I know we still haven't gotten a great one, have we? Not really. No. Just, mm. Are we recording? Oh, I think I. Oh yeah, we actually are recording. I'm just we're just rambling okay. at this point, but yeah, it is uh, it is going. It's going. <laughs> it's just going. Well, I rewatched uh, Superman last night, and the DVDs I got from the library. Uh, it, nice. There, there were two copies. It was I think the original theatrical, and then it said the extended cut. What was in the extended cut? I don't know. Because, you didn't watch it. No, I, that is what I watched. I was like, oh, okay, okay, great. And it ended up skipping because it was a library DVD and didn't really work. It's only so good, right? But it yeah. was so long. Like I'd already been watching for an hour and a half and he was barely in Metropolis. I mean, it's a long – It's a long movie. It's a long movie to start with, but I can't even imagine extended cut. Now, have you ever seen the Richard Donner Superman 2 Yeah. Cut? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the only one I've seen. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's much better than the Richard Lester one. Yeah. Yeah, because the Richard Lester one does a lot of really dumb shit, <laughs> to be frank. I mean, to be fair, that's a lot of the footage, so Donner's kind of stuck with some of that shit, yeah, too. Yeah, he is kind of stuck with it, yeah, because like, there was stuff they literally just reshot without doing any real changes just because they had to do it. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Is every, like every time we've gotten close to having a really good Superman movie, something fucked it up. I mean, would the Kevin Smith... Superman movie have been that movie? I no, I mean that's I guess that one never even got made. Probably thank God. And, <laughs> yeah, because I've actually I've read a lot of the scripts that have been floating around out there. So I've read the Superman Live script that uh, Tim Burton would have directed. I've read both versions of Superman Flyby that J.J. Abrams wrote. Oh, I didn't um, know about that. Yeah, and they're 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 not out there in the Tim Burton kind of out there, but they are drastic, drastic departures from. Like a normal Superman story. Got it. Hold on. I should probably do this. Oh. You're listening okay. to Ideal Remake. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. I'm joined today by Chris Lord to well, talk about hello. Superman. Yes. Yes. I uh, I do. I love me some Superman. I shamelessly love me some Superman. Yeah. Superman's great. Yeah. And I, I consider myself, I'm not going to say an expert. That's a little too generous, I think. Uh, you do have a podcast where you're currently analyzing a lot of Superman. And that is why I feel at least somewhat qualified to talk about this. Yes. Uh, I do have a podcast called Tim Talk with two M's named after Bruce Tim, the uh, co-creator of the DC anime universe, which if you're a fan of Superman, I imagine you have <laughs> some experience with it, whether Batman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, Justice League. 
Uh, but yeah, we Zeta Project. The Zeta Project. Static Everyone, shock. everyone's favorite show, yeah. The Zeta Project. Uh, starring when Dietrich Bader. When you guys Bader. do start, start talking about that show, I'm going to come in and talk <laughs> about the best aspect of that show and how I'm upset it's never been used anywhere else. With the Zeta Project? Yeah. You know, I have i don't know if I've ever actually seen a single episode of the Zeta Project. You're in for a real vegetable. Yeah. Like, that's the one we are having the hardest time tracking down how to actually watch that thing. So oh, thank yeah? God we have it's, a... It's nowhere? It's like nowhere. No, I mean, I think they're finally putting Static Shock out on DVD. I think all finally all four seasons are coming out soon. Um, but I think we already have like a bootleg copy we picked up at a con once that we were <laughs> going to use instead because it's just not it's not out there because Static Shock wasn't that popular, but it got really? enough. I mean, it was. I think I think part of it also comes down to um, an ownership mm. thing because I was listening to an interview with Phil Lamar, who was the voice of Static, and he was talking about that, that like the reason we have only seen him pop up in a few places is that DC doesn't own that character outright. It's like because it's, he it's was like created Carlson for... Comics, I want to say, or, or somewhere else. Yeah, he was created by somebody else. And so they that's like one of those properties where whenever they do anything, they have to like pay a little bit to somebody else, and no one likes to do that ever in entertainment. No. Um yeah, so that it's finally too bad though, because basically, like, we're the right age that we oh, grew yeah. up on that show. And no, that show's I, amazing. I love that show. I would love to see that character pop up on like Black Lightning, or I, mean, yeah. I, I know he's going to be in the new Young Justice, which I'm pretty excited about. He, he was in Young Justice already. Yeah, so he's going to be a part of the the next season, though, Fantastic. which is great. But like, I would love to see him show up in like the maybe not the DCEU because they would just uh. fuck him up. Um, can I swear on this? Yeah. Okay, good. Too late. Yeah. If he doesn't... <laughs> We've already done it. One of the movies we've talked about is Animal House. Okay, you can fair, swear. Fair enough. <laughs> I just assume that I can't yeah, because all I ever do on my fine, podcast is swear. Uh, but yeah, like Zeta isn't anywhere out there, so we're we're gonna have to figure out how to do that. We have a few months, I think, at least, I'm before sure we get there. Fine. We'll figure it out. I mean, you got to get through the rest of Superman and the New Adventures of Batman and Batman Beyond. Yeah. Well, we are really close to being done with uh, New Batman Adventures and Superman. I think we have. Are you really? Um, how does it work? How does the math work out on this? I think we have. One more episode of each. Mm-hmm. I think. Oh no, maybe no. It's two more Batman's and one more Superman. We're basically just holding on to the Superman finale, and Got that'll it. be. Uh, it's it's like so like three weeks from now or something like that. We'll that's, be done. That's pretty close. I know. That's wild. I know. You've done like a thing. I know. Yeah, we we hit um eighty three episodes plus like a dozen crossovers. That's not bad. It's that's pretty really, good. I was are pretty you gonna good. do like a hundred episodes spectacular? We we'll have to do something because I mean, if you're finishing in three weeks, you can drag that out. Four weeks, let's say, and then the hundredth episode. Let's say you do one of the movies. Yeah, we could do. I have to figure out what it is. The problem is, I'm very lazy. Ah, uh, <laughs> very. I, lazy. I should also have mentioned to people uh, listening. If you can hear weird sounds in the background, we're recording the podcast booth oh, that we're recording yeah. in. Uh, they're doing improv warm ups in the theater next door, and that might spill over. Well, bless their hearts for you for doing what? some improv warm ups. You know, the world needs more improvisers. I don't disagree. <laughs> so <laughs> awesome. So, oh but we're God. here to talk about Superman. Yes. So you were actually one of the original guests I wanted to have on for this show. Oh, thank you. Because you said that you had – you've been thinking about Superman for a while and you have like a Superman idea that you've always wanted to do. Yes. Yeah, I've been holding on to a Superman pitch for a long time. Because I, I just rewatched the fir- like the first Superman movie mm-hmm. last night. And there are a few things about it that I'm like, I don't remember this being as not it's, – it's a good movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's great. And it set the it set but, everything that came after it. Like right. every superhero movie that's ever been made since then owes it some element of its existence to 
that movie. Absolutely. That said, I would uh, completely cut Krypton. I'd probably completely cut Kansas if it were just to do it again. Oh yeah, there's definitely a lot of trimming you could do. Yeah, and there's there's also some things that are just kind of confusing that I remember as a kid really throwing me off. One of the big ones was um, the crystal that he uses to build the fortress. It looks exactly like kryptonite. Which, I mean, as a kid, I'm like, wait, but isn't that kryptonite? Yeah. How is that not hurting him? I I'm see, so confused. I see Marlon Brando picking up this crystal going, is is he putting kryptonite, kryptonite? in this pod in case he's, he thinks his son might turn evil and he wants to have a fail-safe just in case? Yeah, right? Is he trying to, like, slowly poison his son? Just yeah. as a... <laughs> Like a, maybe he never liked the kid to begin with. I mean, if I didn't like the kid, I would put them in a spaceship and and launch them halfway across the universe. Yeah, he'd probably plan for that ship to never go anywhere. Yeah. The fact that this planet exploded is the only thing that gave it propulsion at all. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> otherwise, it's just a bunch of floating crystals, which doesn't really make any goddamn sense. And also, Superman's mom basically says nothing. Oh, well, this was the 70s, let's it was. be honest. And yeah. every time I see like I watch this and I was like, so did, did he think that? Clark might not want to meet his mom. Yeah. So she doesn't have a exploding, a, a exploding, a floating space head in this thing at all. Well, the funny thing is, is then you get to Superman two, and Marlon Brando either didn't want to come back or wouldn't come back when they fired Richard Donner. I don't remember how it all panned out, but right. like if you watch Superman two, the Richard Lester cut, at least the original theatrical cut, it's his mom instead of Jarrell. Oh. Which so you've only seen? I've only seen the Richard Donner cut, which includes two. Marlon Brando, if yeah. I recall. And but my understanding is that it's just outtakes from the first one that they just like well we didn't use this line let's put I it in this so. movie yeah because they did something similar with superman returns as well it was like a, a tiny piece i think some of it was used in the original superman and some of it was unused when they did that like recreation yeah. thing actually how do you i mean i guess we talked superman a little bit for the whole thing in fact but like the movies <laughs> what do you think of superman returns i'm curious i only saw it in theaters okay i remember enjoying it i remember mm-hmm. it being it's not great it's good yeah. in the sense that, like, it's a Superman movie. So, like, he's definitely Superman. I didn't think his portrayal of the character was bad. I mean, they basically cast someone who looked exactly like Christopher Reeves. Yeah. But now that actor whose name I don't know. Brandon Ralph. Brandon Ralph is on Legends of Tomorrow and yeah. he's uh, Captain Adam and he's great. He's great on that. And every time I see him, I'm like, he'd be an amazing Superman. Oh, oh wait. Right. He was. Yeah, he was Superman. He was. He, yeah. That is Superman. No. So, because I, I think we've never gotten a perfect Superman movie. I'm not going to say we've even gotten a, maybe a great one. Yeah. I think the closest we have, or I'm going to call it the least flawed Superman movie we've had, is Superman Returns. I'm on board for everything in Superman Returns except for, well, other than Kevin Spacey, except for two things. Yeah. The first one is the weird cannibalistic dog. Oh, yeah, that's weird. That's so no weird. purpose What's in the, the movie. point of that? And it's so weird and no one likes it. Yeah. And then obviously he can't lift an entire island made of kryptonite. Yeah, that part's a little bit ridiculous yeah. too. And yeah. then he Jesus falls back to earth. Yeah, but I mean that's still Jesus, like Superman's whole thing is he just yeah. he's constantly doing a Jesus fall. Absolutely, in every iteration they possibly like, can. Even when the kid in this movie steps out of the spaceship, the first thing he does is he throws his arms out wide. Yeah. I'm Jesus. Yep. He's like, guess guess what I'm a parable for? Space Jesus. Yeah. But I think part of the reason that I love Superman Returns is I love the John Williams Superman theme. Ah. Uh, like I think for me behind. The James Bond theme, and then I think it's a very close tie between these two, the Superman John Williams theme, and then uh, Michael Giacchino's Star Trek reboot theme. Like the the very drum heavy, like the dun-dun-dun, that sounds like Terminator, uh, okay. but yeah. yeah. But I understand what you mean. Yeah, like those two are like, if I just hear, like, if I hear those, I just get excited. 
That's, that's good. It's, it's very, very excited. I love the Superman theme. That was one of my biggest problems with Man of Steel. And I like the Man of Steel theme too, but it's no John Williams Superman theme. My issue with theme songs like that is like, if I hear it, I'll know exactly what it's from, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I can necessarily like recall it to mind. Okay, yeah. So like if I heard it right now, I'd be like, oh yeah, it's Superman, but I, I can't think of it. Oh, I love it so much. And Sorry. so like the, it, the fact they included it in Superman Returns just makes it, I'm just, yeah. it I just, I love it. I love well, it Well, so it is much. the fifth movie, right? Yes. So six if you count Supergirl, which I watched as a kid, but I haven't seen it. Is many, that many years. Supergirl movie in that canon? In that canon, yeah. Interesting, because um, Jimmy Olsen, so Mark McClure, who plays Jimmy Olsen, I have it's ridiculous the, yeah. <laughs> the esoterica that I have stashed <laughs> away in here. He came Superman's pal, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. He uh, was like the one crossover character into Got Supergirl. It. So they had that they had that connection. So yeah, could, so it's technically right. it all counts. But yeah, right. I think most most people don't bother counting Supergirl or Superman three or four because they're all I, again I haven't seen any of them in years. So I've only ever seen the first. I mean, I've seen the first two and I've seen Superman Returns. Yeah, and I've listened to several podcasts about uh, the because didn't didn't how did this get made? Just do the fourth Super. I'm pretty sure Superman they did because that's like the most notoriously bad one. Yeah, and it's the one that Christopher Reeves wrote. He's like, this was supposed to be good, and it could have been good. Yeah. But it just, it but then it work. just like the studio behind it. Well, because what was it? It was like it was a two-hour movie that was good, but they wanted to cut it down to an hour and a half so that it would they could get more screenings in the theater and make more money. Yeah, sounds about right. And so they cut out half an hour, and so it was all the things that tied everything together. And so, despite everything not working, they've managed to make a good movie, and then still destroyed it. I know it's that's so sad. I mean, that that's the history of Superman films, though, right. is that it's always something that goes wrong. It's like the firing of. Richard Donner on the original one means that we got the ending of Superman 2 when he reverses time mm-hmm. at the end of the first film, which it's no matter what, it's silly, but I think the end of right. the second when it's going back to prevent the release of Zod and Ursa and Non is much more interesting than just going back to save Lois and there's right. like higher stakes the whole thing. And When I was watching this movie, Clark Kent Superman is really obsessed with Lois Lane, like creepily oh, yeah. obsessed. Oh yeah. And like, so in the, in, the, in the cartoon, he's like, oh yeah, I've got a crush on her, but like we're living our own lives and I'm not stalking her. In this movie, every time Clark Kent is on screen, he's either following Lois Lane or asking where Lois Lane is. Yeah, pretty much. It's weird. It is very weird, actually. Yeah. And I think one of the scenes that, for me, never quite worked, although I see why people like it, is when he they go like the Peter Pan scene. They go flying yeah. over the city and we have like the random voiceover from yeah, her. Yeah, where it's supposed to be a song but isn't. Yeah, it's, it's like a semi-spoken be- word. Because she couldn't sing? Why was the reason that they did that? I have no idea, Because it was actually. supposed to be a song. That would Who make knows? more sense. But why wouldn't you just like have it be a normal song, not sung by Margaret Ketter? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who actually just passed away recently. I know, it's really sad. Yeah. I know. She lived a hectic life. She did, though. I know, which is it's also... Also very sad. And also very tragic. I mean, because yeah, th- that's yeah. the the curse of Superman, isn't it? So that's all. Yeah, I mean, people talk about that a lot. That because you go back to um, uh, Chris Reeves. Well, even or before Chris that, Reeve George Reeves. George Reeves. Yeah, who um, like Sorry. died under mysterious circumstances, yeah. and of course, like Christopher Reeve getting paralyzed, Margaret Kidder having mental health problems, um, Dean Cain becoming whatever amorphous psychopath he is now. <laughs> um, I mean, Terry Hatcher came out of it okay. Yeah, I think but, I think the, the radio guy came out okay, and then nothing's happened to Man of Steel guy yet. Yeah, Henry Cavill seems to be doing fine. Brandon Rouse doing fine for himself. I, I think sometimes people just, like, lump in 
like career obscurity along with some of these other things. I think you have a, like a couple of touch points where you can be like, oh, that was actually something but really obscurity, bad. But obscurity, that's as bad as death. Well, <laughs> in the industry, of course yeah. it is. But, you know, but they they come back around. Like, yeah, um, I guess Tom Willing hasn't been doing that much stuff. Yeah, and even Christopher Reeve. I mean, he had a, this horrible accident, but yeah. he still had a career after that. He was in Smallville and was great in Smallville. He was, yeah. Well, and, and he was able to like take that tragedy and, you know, really – push to try and better understand paralysis and to try mm-hmm. and make the world a better place along with that. Like he he used his status and this really terrible thing to try and make it better for other people, which is like it all yeah. – it, it goes to show that at the end of the day, Chris Reeve is the greatest Superman will ever have. Because I think he on a personal level embodied a lot more than I'm going to say that maybe other people do. Although Brandon Rouse seems like a super nice guy from everything I've like heard about it or mm-hmm. listened to on podcasts. And the thing that about casting Superman is like you need someone who is that embodiment of like earnestness. And even yeah. – Captain Adam, whose name Brandon Ralph. Brandon Ralph, you just said it. Like all these people are like legitimately cool people. Yeah, but it, it it's like such a high bar to clear. It really is. It absolutely is. And I think you know, I think that's why we don't try and do the same thing. Which I think. Well, but here's my question for you: because mm-hmm. because they keep trying to do the same thing. If you were to remake a Superman movie, like let's say you were starting from scratch, you need to make a movie about Superman. Yeah. Would you have Lex Luthor? Would that be your go-to bad guy, or would you build to Lex Luthor? Like how. Uh, Batman Begins doesn't have the Joker, but the Dark Knight does. So I <clears> – <throat> were I to do this, the the version that I've had in my head for, for such Please, a long tell time. tell me about that. Um, obviously, it's a lot of inspiration from the animated series, surprising nobody. <laughs> so I think you you have to have Lex as a presence in that world. But I think you do a version that's much more closely tied to like the animated series, which in turn was very much more closely tied to the comics mm-hmm. where – or the the more modern comics where he is – a a business tycoon who has no scruples because I think that's what makes him an interesting foil to Superman. I don't think you make him the primary villain. Um, I don't. If you were to do like a multiple series arc, I think you save him towards the end as maybe the primary villain. Mm-hmm. But you have him be around because that's kind of one of the interesting things about Superman is unlike Batman, Superman has a pretty well established canon of people around him. Like you go to make a Superman movie, you have to include Superman, you know, at least his mom, usually also his dad in some capacity. You have Lois, Jimmy, Perry, Lex. Um, those are all pretty much staples. I mean, we've seen like Man of Steel definitely chop those down a little bit, yeah. which I think is maybe some detriment a little bit. Um, also, Jesse Eisenberg, terrible choice for Lex Luthor. I didn't see that movie. You didn't see Man of Steel? Oh, no, Batman I saw, I saw Man of Steel. Yeah. Because Lex Luthor's not in Man of Steel. I know. Oh. See, and I think if you have – what's interesting about that version of – I wouldn't necessarily pick Zod as my first big villain because that's – I wouldn't a, either. I mean that's kind of the Marvel idea. Like the first the first movie is generally like they're playing against their opposite. Like yeah. Iron Man versus Iron uh, versus Warmonger, Captain America versus uh, Red Skull. And so they kind of took that with Man of Steel and like, well, Superman, who's his opposite? We can't do Bizarro. That's too weird. Zod. Yeah. And you can see where I imagine part of that was a reaction to Superman Returns and being like, okay, well, we need to give him a villain who he can go toe-to-toe with, but we also want to make him like an actual character and mm-hmm. they were trying to give him like some some motivation. But he just – I like Michael Shannon a lot. I think he more or less works there, but also you're you're living in the shadow of Terrence Stamp's amazing Zod right. from the, the 70s and the 80s. who was just – he is – just ruthless, but he's so likable because it's Terrence Stamp, and he has this kind of charm to him all the way through. That's a very hard like act to follow. Yeah, 
So I, and I've, I, got, I've got a good person for that. Oh, good. Yeah. But, I'm glad you have some casting stuff. I don't really have much. It's, we're going to um, be all right. It's going to be but, great. No, in my mind, you put Lex in there as a, a business tycoon, someone who more or less rules the city mm-hmm. through his influence and his wealth and his just Machiavellian nature. And what's interesting is if you put him up against someone who is then beloved by everyone and has actual genuine power and is humble about it, that's where their counterpoints all the way through. It's that not, Lex hates Superman because he's what he could never be. Uh-huh. He's the guy who everyone just loves and Lex has basically tried to force his – I'm not saying his affection, but he has used his influence to make himself important, but people don't necessarily like him. Right. Or maybe they respect him, but from a business you know point of view, but not like, oh, everyone just loves this guy and he has all this natural power. Like Lex had to accrue everything over time. His power, his influence, his esteem, whereas Superman just shows up. Everyone's like, oh, he's great. He's powerful. He's amazing. So I think you make Lex like a more of a business element and you have him be in the background of the first I, – I always picture like a multiple film sure. arc but sort of thing. what you just said I actually find a little bit more interesting. I see Lex not necessarily immediately as the unscrupulous businessman. Mm-hmm. I see him as this guy who had to work and work and work and work and work to build this reputation around him and and and, be, and become this guy. And then Superman shows up and all of a sudden people love him immediately. Mm-hmm. And Lex is like, but I, I did all of this work. And so he compromises himself a little bit to, oh, to take it down. And then he yeah. compromises a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And he keeps stepping further and further and further into further and further compromise and to the point where like he – and it keeps not working and people keep loving Superman more and loving him less to the point where he just keeps going further into that world to the point where like there's no turning back. He's like, no – if this is what I have to do, this is what I'm – because he keeps being pushed further down that road. Oh, I like that idea, actually. Because there was some cartoon I saw a long time ago. I don't remember what the origin of this is. But it's the whole Lex Luthor and Clark Kent were friends when they were kids. and or mm-hmm. super su- Lex Luthor was friends with Superboy. Oh, okay. And they were working in a lab together. And then something happens. And the lab exploded. And Lex Luthor lost his hair. And he blamed Superman. Yeah, that's like the original origin of Lex Luthor from the 50s comics. Right. Or and I, earlier than that, maybe. I saw it as some cartoon that got animated. I'm sure it was on Super Friends or something. Yeah. And what a campy show. Yeah, right? And I, and I kind of like the idea, not because I like Superman being complicit in Lex Luthor's origin vis-a-vis the Joker. Mm-hmm. I like it more that... Lex is pushing himself to become Lex Luthor okay. because of Superman, because it's this ideal that he can't live up to no matter how hard he tries. And the only things he can do to try are corrupting. Oh, that's interesting. Have you read uh, the comic Red Sun? I love Red Sun. It's, it's Red Sun's amazing. amazing. I think, I mean, that's some of the best versions of like all those yeah. characters. The, the whole Green Lantern like mini thing in that oh. comic is so Oh, good. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's it's an amazing story. I think it's a hard one to do as a film because it is so yeah. distinctly Elseworlds. I'm just surprised that DC hasn't made it as an animated film yet. I don't know. It's it's long and it's dense. Yeah, but I mean, they did The Dark Knight Returns. I mean, over two that's, parts, admittedly. But sure. like, they did a pretty good job with it. And I mean, to be fair, though... Didn't they chop out, like, all the mutants and a lot of the other little subplots? Mm, I guess a little bit of it, yeah. I guess chop out some of that. Red Sun, though, that doesn't quite work because it's everything you need yeah. all of it yeah i think you could well what they did they one of the movies that they did make that i really really liked is um justice league gods and monsters oh yeah that one was good yeah that one was i loved that yeah i think was that an original story for the 
I think so. For the film, and I think they, they spun out a comic series out of it. If you haven't seen this, uh, Ju- Justice League Gods and Monsters is a what-if series um, where Zod in- intercepts Clark Kent's or Kal-El's pod before it gets launched into space, and he puts his DNA, DNA into the pod instead of Jor-El. Mm-hmm. And so Superman is a mix of Zod and, and his mom. And he land- and the ship gets knocked off course, and he actually lands in Mexico instead of landing in the United oh, that's States. That's right. I forgot that part of that. Yeah. So Clark Kent kind of grows up. He has a different name. I don't remember what it was. And he grows up, and he has to get smuggled across the border, and he, he grew up in poverty. So he still has a sense of right and wrong, but it's a different sense of right and wrong. It's not the Kansas wholesome, here's what's right, here's yeah. what's wrong. It's no, there's right and wrong, but sometimes you have to do the do things to make sure it's right. So this Superman's willing to kill. Mm-hmm. It's a different Superman. He's the son of Zod, which is why it's okay. Yeah. And then there is a Batman and a Wonder Woman in this world, but Wonder Woman is she's, one of the new gods. From, yeah, one of the new gods. I forget which one. But she's a new, she is, uh, who's the leader of the new gods? Apocalypse? Well, I mean, um... Oh, wait, the actual new gods and not the uh, not uh, um, uh, not apocalypse. High Father. Yeah, High Father. I think she's High Father's daughter, oh, and they, yeah. they High Father is going to be marrying her to these to Orion, the son of Darkseid. Mm-hmm. And then High Father betrays Darkseid and kills everyone on Apocalypse. Oh, that's right. And she didn't know they were going to be betrayed, and she actually loved Orion. And so, in light of this betrayal, she runs away, and she has this really good sword, and she's amazing in Wonder Woman, but she has this tragic backstory, and then. Batman is Kirk Langstrom. Yeah, he's man, he's bat. man bat. Yeah, he, and he and in he's he's a vampire, and it's yeah. great. It is great. I remember I liked that one a lot. Actually, I think I read like the comics and uh, there's like some shorts I think that were up on YouTube that were part of that too. I watched those first, and then I watched the movie. Okay, yeah, because I think they explain the history of those characters before you jump into the movie itself, or something like that. I, I think forget, they were just more like, here's what this character is. Yeah. All right, cool. Now watch this movie. Yeah, and go and enjoy it. Because there was one for each of them. There was one for Wonder Woman and one for Batman. And it was Batman versus Harley Quinn. Oh, that's right. And that one was messed up. Oh, I've forgotten all the, look at all the things that I've forgotten. And then the Superman one is against Baby Brainiac. <gasps> oh, see, okay, I I love Brainiac. Yeah. So Brainiac for me is actually who I would put as the main villain of a Superman reboot. I agree. But how do you prevent Brainiac from being just a CGI monstrosity with a bunch of claws and so robots? And I stuff? haven't been watching Krypton. Me neither. But I've actually heard it's pretty decent. But I've seen the really? photos of what that Brainiac looks like. And it looks like comic-accurate Brainiac. So he's a yellow alien who's, like, semi-mechanical. So, like, I think he has, like, the like the tubes coming on the back of his head. I think you make him a little more, like, of a cyborg than a straight-up robot. I don't think you could do the full animated version of the robot. Did you watch uh, Supergirl at all? No. I, I think it's, like, an episode. They have a, a Brainiac equivalent. Mm-hmm. Like, she has the three dots on her forehead okay. or whatever. So she's the... They make Brainiac a particular alien species that's really good with computers and they can interface and with technology. I didn't like it. No, didn't no. work. It didn't it doesn't quite work. It it felt forced. I keep trying to like Supergirl and it, it keeps doing stuff. <laughs> Just not doing it. No. I know that they introduced Martian Manhunter at one point and I love that character, but I didn't bother I to go actually watch the show. Always love Martian Manhunter. And he's great in that show. Okay. Martian Manhunter is always great. I, I just I want him everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Put him in the movies. Put him everywhere. Yeah. He's the best. But, so okay, so you want to put Brainiac? So I would do in... Brainiac, and I guess I, I'm almost like just immediately counteracting what I just said. But so my what the way I would approach because I thought it was interesting. You said you would cut out the Krypton stuff. One of the things I think didn't work for me in Man of Steel is when we meet him, he doesn't know anything about his history. He doesn't know where he comes from. He doesn't know his family. He doesn't even know that he's Kryptonian. But I always thought that was kind of undercut by the fact that we 
met his parents. We saw where he came from. We saw his how his dad flies on some bird or something. Yeah, some big weird pterodactyl thing. I always kind of felt like that we should be a little bit more aligned with Superman and not necessarily knowing that stuff. So if I were to do a version of it, it would start with him arriving on Earth, cut out all the stuff about we don't get to see Krypton. So basically your version would be that first episode where Brainiac is introduced in the animated series where Superman doesn't really know anything about his homeworld and then he gets the 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 glow the orb of yeah. knowledge and he touches that orb and all of a sudden he's on Krypton for the first time. It, it would that'd be kind of become part of it. Like in my mind you you put him on Earth without Brainiac. And so the way I I always saw Brainiac was as a and this is again a little bit from the cartoons but a program created um not necessarily on Krypton. It could have come from somewhere else and he made his way to Krypton. But a program – actually, I think it works better that way. A program that was created on some planet to basically figure out what it takes to create a perfect society. And he eventually realizes that an imperfect society could possibly infect another one. And so he just starts purging. He goes to – like he just transfers a planet to planet. And this is more or less roughly where he comes from in the comics. I think mm-hmm. there's some slight variation. He goes from one planet to the next and learns oh, – excuse me learns about their planet and then when he realizes that it's imperfect he destroys it and then he gets to krypton and it's the closest he's come to actually finding perfection because it's a society that has learned how to um tie in like technology with the natural environments this where you start to bring in some elements of like smallville and the donner films so they do store information on crystals but they've also learned how to like perfectly manipulate like metal and that sort of thing so that um like they have Everything, although the buildings, everything is like somewhat organic but somewhat technology. Mm-hmm. So it's the closest thing to a perfect society. So basically their world is uh, the sequel to Beast Wars, Beast Machines. <laughs> the Beast where Machines. Where they have to uh, become intertwined and they, they say, I am transformed. It's terrible. <laughs> because they are both organic. Well, how else did you know it's a Transformers show? It's so bad. But I did have the Transformer toys from McDonald's, and I got the little bat guy, and I was disappointed. He was cool, though. No, I think I remember. Actually, I think I kind of remember that bat guy. That sounds kind of familiar. He, he was the one with the with the '90s hair, who like would skateboard around. Well, of course, he 90s, had the skateboard. Yeah, he had to be a an extreme bat on a skateboard. Exactly what that was. <laughs> Beast Wars is so good. Oh, poor Beast Machines. I remember liking Beast Wars, but I don't think I've ever saw Beast Machines. When I was a kid, I liked Beast Machines, and I went back and watched a little bit, and I was like, no. Never go back. I mean, that's counter to well, here, the very thing I do. Beast Wars, you can but, go back. Okay, so I can go back to Beast Wars. Beast Wars, you can Beast go back, Machines. and reboot, you can go back. Really? How, yeah, but, I mean, really the, the effects look pretty bad by modern standards, though, right? They, if you keep that in mind, yes, the effects okay. aren't, don't look great, but like you keep in mind, you're like, this is actually pretty good for all things considered. Like Especially like reboot, because they really lean into like the whole pixelated nature of it, mm-hmm. because most of the characters that show are blocks. Oh, okay. But it works. It holds up. Yeah, they're bits and bites. It's amazing. And it's probably better than the reboot reboot we just got. It's the reboot reboot is also not good. Yeah. Well, I mean, that just seems like that was that's like an onion article that it's became reality. <laughs> I can't I look, reboot's a great show, but it did not have the fan following to justify a reboot. No, it did not. <laughs> and the fact that it got made and then not made well, it's bad. Yeah. But so okay. so Krypton so is Krypton, this, like so it's it's like the closest organic to and yeah it's the closest to a perfect society and basically Brainiac would have let it go but then the problem is is that you know the the conflict that happened in Krypton's past led to, like the planet to being unstable and even though they have found a way to live harmoniously and perfectly now basically like history catches up with the the planet and it it will 
explode no matter what. They can't undo the damage they've done over years of even like experiment with technology. And so Jarrell, classic thing, sends Superman off, and basically Brainiac escapes at the same time. And I don't know, give it some random reason. He gets caught up in the explosion or whatever. But basically, he isn't able to follow Clark to Earth. Mm-hmm. Well, or he makes it like most of the way or whatever, but never actually makes it quite there. What I would do is this. I mean, everyone else is like, no, no, we've overcome that. We're a better society. And then Jarrell has the data. And he's like, no, we're not. And so it's the cognitive dissonance that prevents everyone else. But mm-hmm. Brainiac just reads data. So he was like, oh, no, he's right. Peace out. Why would he follow Clark? That's true, actually. He would just leave. And yeah. Like, okay, I can't do anything. So in my mind, basically, that's a way to explain, like, why Brainiac's dormant. But, you know, basically, when Superman reveals himself on Earth, mm-hmm. he's able to, like, pick up that a Kryptonian exists over there. Like, he knew from Jor-El's data that whenever Clark would get there, he would have powers and whatever. Right. Reasons. Find reasons. Yes. But, you know, so in my mind, Clark goes out there and, like, you don't want to – I think you don't want to spend too much time with him as, like, a kid necessarily – um, but my whole big thing is you don't kill Jonathan, which everyone just decides to do. And yeah, there's no reason to yeah. kill him. And this is my problem. Is okay, I, I came up with all this. You don't have to believe me, but it's true. I came up with <laughs> all this before Man of Steel, which uses a lot of the same sort of stuff. So that means that neither myself no, just... nor David Goyer are that original. <laughs> but in my mind, you spend a little bit of time with, with Clark as a kid in Smallville. Mm-hmm. And he's basically trying to figure out where he goes with his life. He knows he has these powers. He's been told he's an alien, but he doesn't know what Krypton is, where he comes from. And the turning point is a tornado like we see in Man of Steel. The difference, though, is Jonathan doesn't sacrifice himself to stop someone who can move faster than the human eye from saving him or saving the dog, whatever the fuck it was. But Have it's, you seen the article about how don't go stand under a bridge during a tornado? Don't do that Cause, either. Because you'll die. Because you'll – yeah. Well, it's, yeah, cause it, there's, there's some, a way to get funneled. Yeah, it's, there's, a, there's a name for like a specific effect that says don't stand under, don't stand under a bridge during a tornado. You will die. Well, there you go. See, don't do that. So in my mind, it's more like maybe Clark at this point has left to go to Metropolis, try and find himself, but he sees that a tornado strike is happening. And so he goes back to help. And it's not that someone dies in that instance. It's that he sees Jonathan, a mortal person with no powers, risking his life to save other people. And that's his realization. Like, you know, and maybe the the house falls and he saves Jonathan and Lon or whoever the hell it is. It doesn't really matter. But it's a realization that someone who isn't as capable as Clark will go out of their way to try and help somebody. And that's when he decides that's what he has to do with his life. I like that a lot more than anything else that's been on screen because that makes sense. Yeah, because it's not like – because my whole thing is that Superman should never be – Superman should never be afraid of who he is. Superman is like the one hero that actually kind of loves who he is. Mm -hmm. If anything, he maybe doesn't necessarily like being the version of Clark he has to create as a a facade. But actually being Superman and helping people and having that kind of power, he likes doing it. And so it's not this idea of like, oh, I don't want to be a hero. It's like it's a realization like, oh, I have no choice to do this, but I'm going to step up because that's the honorable, the right thing to do. It's what he wants to do. Right. I agree with that. Yeah. And so that's – and so then you basically quickly get from him there out to Metropolis and – I don't know. I think you just do something simple. Of, like, have you ever read um, uh, Earth One Superman? I don't believe I have. Okay, it's um, J. Michael Straczynski, who's he? He did like Babylon Five and stuff. I don't really know a lot of his other work, but in it, there's a long. It is a huge influence on Man of Steel, actually. But it's a long build up, and it's not until the third act of the comic he actually dons the suit. Mm-hmm. But the explanation comes from. Jonathan being like, hey, like I knew someone who was in advertising back in the day, and he said that you have to have like an emblem, like a symbol to rally behind. Like people can latch onto like an idea very quickly if you 
basically kind of like publicize it right. And so the idea is right. like you're not a man, you're a superman. And so that the idea was basically like you're emulating this idea of heroics. So I don't know, you make reference to like a comic character like Superman from the back of the day and Jonathan's like, oh, just mind yourself after this person as a way to remind people you're a hero above anything else. And I like it if it's – yeah, no, it's an S. Yeah. It's an S for Superman. Yeah. Don't put a whole bunch of stuff behind it. It's an S for Superman. Yeah, it's on fine. my planet, it means hope. No, it's so dumb. No. Like, honestly, I think it's a lot more earnest if he's like, yeah, I'm Superman. Just because he's this earnest kid who thinks that's a good idea. Yeah. And I think that's a lot more meaningful. And I think that speaks a lot more to his character than like, yeah, my dad had it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think you – and I think that's part of the difference between like DC and Marvel – we won't go too far into this, but like Marvel, Marvel kind of like. If you want to find out more about Chris's opinion on DC versus Marvel, listen to, to all of Tim Talk. of Tim Talk. But like, you know, it's you just lean into a little bit of the absurdity, but don't necessarily try and create a convoluted way to explain things that seem a little bit silly. Mm-hmm. Just let them be as they are. Just be like, oh, he, we, in this world, there's this idea of what a hero can be like, this idea of like a superhero, whether one has existed or not before. And he just leans into that. He just presents himself as something that the world already kind of knows vaguely. Yeah. Boom, you're set. And then I think you – He finds that person by reading the Bible. The Bible. Arms yeah, out exactly. wide. He's like, I could be this Jesus. Yeah. Well, originally Superman's costume was just him in a loincloth just flying around. <laughs> oh, I'm on board. <laughs> I'm on board for it. Um but I think, you know, at some point he clashes with Lex. Mm-hmm. You know, Lex tries to buy him off or whatever or tries to exert some influence. Whatever it is, Superman does something, not necessarily deliberately so, but does something to slight Lex and that establishes a bit of a rivalry. But then Brainiac realizes that, uh, you know, the Honestly, son of Drell. I think it'd be great if it was like th- th- there's something that's happening. Like there's some monster whatever. Not even a monster. Let's say something was about to explode and the and to stop it, Superman picked up one of Lex's cars and jets and like kind of plugged a hole in a dam. And so he saved the day and everyone's really proud of him. But Lex is like, oh, that, was, that was my car. And Superman's like, I'm sure you have plenty of those. Yeah. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Yeah. So I'm just being Which is true. Yeah. But. You ruined my limousine. Like I specifically picked you because you could afford to lose this. Yeah. It's the right thing to do and you should be cool with it because we just saved a bunch of people's lives. But no. No, that was that was my thing. I know. He's got a little pissy Can't take about my toy. It. I know. He's a little no. petulant child. But yeah, so you, you establish some sort of conflict and then Brainiac realizes that um, Clark is on Earth mm-hmm. and he goes to find him and then Brainiac basically explains like, oh, like I knew your father. And he, I think you maybe have him be like semi-human. Maybe you he figured out a way to like bond with human DNA, whatever you figured out. Like Brainiac arrives, end of act one. He like the start of act two is the kind of reveal of, hey, this, this is what you are. Yeah. This is your yeah, kind of, yeah, like kind of mid act two, he shows up, explains where he comes from. And what Brainiac's plan is, again, this is very similar to Man of Steel and I swear to God I had this first was that what Brainiac's plan ultimately becomes is he's going to re- – he's going to terraform Earth. He's going to recreate Krypton on Earth because this is a chance to rebuild perfection. Right. Like Earth is close enough to Krypton and there's like an actual Kryptonian there. Like, oh, we can rebuild this society. Mm-hmm. And so, again, Man of Steel kind of did this, but it's the idea – A little bit. A little bit. But it, it, for what it becomes at the end of the day is Clark, who never knew his family, never knew Krypton – is basically given an opportunity to be able to go home, the home he never knew, and to be in a place where he, you know, maybe fits in a little bit better, but he can't because then everyone on Earth will die. And that's essentially what Man of Steel did, but I think you just shifted a little bit in terms of, like, the tone. And you can do the cutesy thing where Brainiac's ship lands on the North Pole and starts terraforming, so everything inside the ship is 
Right. Or his zoo. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've established, too, that, you know, Krypton had that kind of technology to, like, perfectly manipulate nature. And so maybe, like, he his first demonstration, like, oh, this is what the technology can do. Look, I can recreate for you, like, this is what your house looked like back home or something like that. But I'm implying that he lands on the North Pole because then when Superman wins, Brainiac's ship can become his fortress of solitude. Exactly. Yeah, you incorporate some element like that. Um, And I think that's kind of, like, the crux of what you do differently there. And so the end fight is still him going up against Brainiac, who is physically a a match for him, Mm kind of like the way it was Azad. You don't have him kill everybody and destroy the whole city. Um, And the sacrifice in the end is not killing another Kryptonian, but, like, killing the dream he always had of being able to go home. And you can even make it be – because Brainiac doesn't care about killing people. He cares about absorbing all the information and technology. So he keeps, like, absorbing all that and, like, shutting things down. And so even – when Superman wins, there can be that whole, well, what do we have to do? And then Superman picks up a brick and goes, we rebuild. Exactly. He's a figure of hope. So yeah. make him give all these people who are left after Brainiac destroyed the physical things. Yeah. Because that could be that could be like the emotional arc. Brainiac doesn't realize that it's the people that matter, not the not the technology and the data. It's the right. People. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't he doesn't feel or he doesn't understand yeah, humanity or like what bonds people. He just yeah looks at it through like the raw data perspective. So that's like the rough – the rough Superman idea. traps him in a flash drive. Exactly. Oh my god, he comes back again. Um, but you know, in, in my mind, like, in without going too long into it, but like the way you set up some sequels beyond that is that in the fight, like some of Superman's blood gets spilt, Lex takes that, and then I would have the sequel be um, Bizarro, possibly also Metallo. But what I would do for his arc in the second film was the reverse Superman two. So it's not that he wants to give up being Superman; is that he's considering giving up being Clark. Because now he lives in this world where everyone loves Superman. I mean, even like he and Lois have some sort of like fictitious banter. Mm-hmm. She likes Clark as a friend, but doesn't have really much interest in him. So why would you want to spend your time being the guy that no one cares about when you could spend all your time being the person everyone loves? Because you need food. <laughs> and food is obtained through money. Well, and you can't ask for money for being a Superman. Well, right. But I mean, it's – Yes. Okay, fine. <laughs> I mean, look. The Superman Donation Center, they, he does an act of goodness and I, everyone gives him a this, bagel. I was a guest on a podcast called The Spider-Man Minute and uh, we were talking about how Spider-Man doesn't need to get a job like because they work at newspapers. Those yeah. don't really exist anymore and yeah. certainly aren't going to pay the kind of money that you need. So what do you do? Well, Spider-Man Patreon. Yeah, exactly. So like, we'd have the Superman so Patreon well. account. Yeah. yeah. But th- that said, Superman would never ask people for money. <laughs> no. But, but I, he needs to do something in order to get money, in order to get food, because he can't steal food. He can't get money for being Superman, so he needs to have some sort of job where he earns money. Yeah. And short of taking pictures and submitting them to the Daily Planet and J. Jonah Jameson saying he's a menace, I don't know how else he's going to earn money. I uh, mean, he, um, he's got the money coming in from the farm. Does he? Yeah, he just pops home on the weekends and does all the stuff that needs to happen on the farms. So this thriving farm that's bringing in yes, tons and tons Kansas of cash. Kansas is doing so well these days. <laughs> hey, they don't have a Superman tending all of the farms. So he's putting everyone out of work? Yes. This alien yes, is he coming is. here and taking <laughs> our jobs. Yes, he is. He would put so many people out of work. He, he would. would never be able to do that. He'd feel terrible. He just do one guy's job. Just yeah, he would just he would just make sure that the Kent farm was doing very very well. I feel like if you want to do that, you'd have to like if you there's other ways to do that. Like <laughs> he just took down a super space robot. There must be something he could patent and make a lot of money off the patents. He's like, well, I could do this, make a lot of money, and not be able to live off that and not be Superman. I don't have to go home and put thousands of people out of work. That might be a slightly better choice. Yes, maybe he makes some cool little <laughs> he makes some awesome little robots that everyone wants to buy, or something else. Brainiac has yeah. had in his yeah, or he, he, yeah, he makes some sort of like technology that rivals Lex Luthor and just further pisses Lex off. Oh, that would be more interesting. Yeah. But no, but I think that's the way you approach 
a second Superman story is. Well, no, no, no. Let's hold on to that for a second. He takes he takes a little bit of technology that rivals something that Lex has. Mm-hmm. But then that technology gets out of hand and starts getting manipulated and going out of the way. And he and Lex have to take it down. And so they agree that this technology has to be destroyed. And then oh, at the end of the movie, Lex takes it and then he uses it for what he does in the third movie. That could be interesting. Actually, that could be where Metallo comes from. Metallo doesn't necessarily have to be like a Lex creation. That could be it. That like maybe yeah. maybe Superman realizes that with like Brainiac technology, he can do things like trying to cure disease. And so he picks John Corbin, who's dying of something. It's like, okay, we're going to like use this Kryptonian technology that incorporates organic and metallic technology that's all one and the same. Mm-hmm. We're going to try and use it on you to like counteract the virus. And all it does is basically like slowly turn John Corbin into an ever-changing mechanical monster right. like it yeah actually that's a great way of doing it it comes from superman not from lex and superman can even say look i'm trusting you so much that this is like this is how much i believe in this project that i will even allow you to be powered by the thing that can kill me and mm-hmm. john corbin's like this is an amazing gift like a i get to live and b you're entrusting me with all of these things and then so much and he starts losing feeling and doing this and he's like all right well i guess i can murder you yeah and that that way the second movie can like it can be the origin story for john corbin I think, okay, actually, that's a much better way of doing it. Yeah, I like that a lot. Because then I always figured that I, I want to get bizarre when there's somewhere. I don't know if that's the second movie or whatever, but I always felt like, um, and I don't know how you do this exactly, but I always felt like the third film should be ultimately the death of Superman. And then rather than having him come back immediately, again, this justly did this, but terribly, you have a movie in between, or you have time in between because the fourth film, uh, by that point, Lex has become president. Mm-hmm. Superman is dead, mm-hmm. and we get to spend some time in a world where Superman once existed and no longer does. Like actually, really spend like a, a full actual movie. Yeah, like a like like not a full You're actual a crazy movie. man. Not a full actual movie. I'm thinking like a whole a whole first act where mm-hmm. we're in this world where there aren't necessarily other. This is a, a world, by the way, where it's not a DCU tie-in. There's not other superheroes, sure. but a world generally without Superman. And how do you go from having someone like I think in the in the third movie you even established that people have gotten reckless. Mm-hmm. Like um, I think. Red Sun even mentioned this, like, oh, no one wears seatbelts anymore, right? No one, no one yeah. takes any precautions. They assume I'll be there to save them. You get a bit of that. You get the bit of the, a bit of the world being spoiled to have this kind of hero. And then it ends with him dying. And then you come around for four. And I don't know if there you do, like, Cyborg Superman or maybe you do Superboy. Um, you do, like, a little bit of the return story arc. But I think the, how that fourth film ends is the uh, end of the Batman-Superman uh, Public Enemies comic where Lex finally wears the green armored suit. And he like, again, you've talked about, he was always trying to do kind of like the right thing, but he like keeps sacrificing, sacrificing. Eventually he comes president of the United States and he's trying to do the right thing. Superman comes back once again. And I don't know, like Lex did something evil. And so now Superman has to go and make the choice of actually fighting the president. Right. Which again, mind you, this comic was written back in like 2004. Well, before fiction had become reality. Yeah. This way you couldn't do it now. But that it finally the whole arc of this story, this version of Superman, ends with him finally I going to the I bet it would be cathartic. Lex. It would be very cathartic now. Here's my pitch for uh, Bizarro. All right, because th- that Bizarro is your. I would say you put Bizarro in movie three. Okay, and I think he is your act one villain of movie three. Okay, interesting. And I think Superman has to find a way to defeat him, and the way it works is it does inadvertently kill Bizarro. Mm-hmm. And Superman feels terrible about this, and that's his Act Two arc. Oh, interesting. He doesn't he doesn't kill the per- doesn't kill Bizarro on purpose. It happens on accident and, and all of that. But Lex sees how Bizarro is killed, mm-hmm. and then he uses that at the end of Act Three to kill Superman. Oh, to build Doomsday. Did Not, you do Doom? Did you do? I feel like no. you gotta do Doomsday. I mm, I think you can call it like the Doomsday Project, 
but I think it's more interesting if it's not not a punching to death kind of thing. Okay, how would you kill Superman? Superman is vulnerable to what? Three, two things: kryptonite and magic. Yeah, and I don't want to introduce magic. No, and so it's got to be something with kryptonite. But at this point, up until this point, we've kind of had kryptonite kind of as like a little bit from Brainiac. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, it's expected in this world, but not necessary. I think there's got to be like, but there's but there's also taking away his powers. There's the red sun. There is true, uh, and so I think it could be one of those things where uh, Bizarro, like Superman, sets up this 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 field with where there's going to be red sun, and he has Bizarro like punch him and take him out, and like so Bizarro's like flying back, and Superman set up this fe- like red sun field or something, mm-hmm. and so Bizarro loses his powers and falls, but he was super high up in the air, mm-hmm. and so he dies. Okay. Now, but I feel like w- the one thing about the death of Superman is that it has to be a big heroic, a very big public heroic act. Like he has right. to have that that martyr element to his death. Um, that's how Bizarro dies. But Lex learns about this Red Sun thing, and he's able to use that, manipulate that into some Act Three villain, maybe Doomsday, maybe not, mm-hmm. who is able to use that, manipulate that, and Superman chooses to fight instead of leaving it to army or this or the the other thing because they weren't prepared okay and because they weren't prepared superman has to fight and so because they weren't prepared superman dies so now it's on humanity's dependence on superman okay i like this yeah and that's so the humanities became dependent on superman and became lazy and because of that laziness superman had to fight a villain he should not have been fighting and because of that he dies so now humanity has a guilt complex this is perfect i love it so there you go okay i like it yeah because then you know, he – I think you could do, like, the more traditional version of him, like, basically just being, like, going, like, comatose and getting rescued. And, and, yeah. and like, it's a little bit silly, but I think you do it. You obviously put him in the black suit. That um, said – Obviously. When you eventually get to the Justice League uh, episode of the death of Superman where Toy Man sends him into the future. Yeah. That's a completely different way of doing it. And it is – that episode is so Oh, it's good. amazing. It's amazing. Ugh. That funeral sequence with, like, Batman refusing to believe he's dead and still showing up off in the distance. And then – Superman becoming kind of friends with Vandal Savage. Yeah. Vandal Savage still being completely Vandal Savage, but just being like, well, I'm not going to kill you now. Yeah. I won. Yeah. Want to come this, to my house? This is what this is what winning looks like. I'm miserable. Yeah. No, I think that that was a great like iteration of that story, like a completely different way of doing it. Yeah. And it worked really, really well. Um, yeah. And I, I think, that, you know, you, you spend – because you – right from the beginning, asked how do you do mm-hmm. Lex. I think you spent – have him all the way along be this presence, and it's not until the, the end of this finite arc – whether it's three movies or four movies, whatever it is, and it's finally the end. The two of them go head to head, and it's it's Superman finally having to kind of accept that he has to step out of his comfort zone in terms of like what influence he'll have on the world, right. because Lex has become too dangerous to leave. And also, here's my pitch for how Superman comes back. Ooh. So Superman dies, mm-hmm. but people have kind of seen that like, oh, well, a little bit of his DNA got manipulated, and that's how we ended up with Bizarro. Mm-hmm. We can't have him on Earth anymore. What better way to pay tribute to the, this god from space than to put him back into space? Oh, he can't be buried on Earth. Right. He has to be put into space. And so he gets sent out in a rocket, and that rocket, for whatever reason, ends up getting closer and closer to the yellow sun. And he gets so close to the yellow sun that it completely recharges and revives him. <gasps> I love it. And so that's how you do so it. So nice and simple. It's an accidental revival. Yeah. He was he was almost dead. He, yeah. most, he was mostly, <laughs> mostly dead. Mostly dead. <laughs> that's perfect. See, like, ah, 
and this was makes me so sad is that you know, never we've happen. laid out this great series <laughs> of films that I think would make a lot of fans happy, and it's like all pretty solid storytelling, and it's, they'll it's never happen. Similar to the stories that have been told, but different enough because it's a new story for a new medium. Yeah. Well, and I, I would like to think that it, it comes to the place of actually understanding your main character, which up to this point, the DCEU in particular has never really done. No. Never got it. Now, so that's the... Which is a point for Superman Returns. Superman Returns gets... It gets it. ...all of their characters. Yeah. It's um, not a... Yeah. No, I think it does. Actually, you're right. It does. I mean, it gets Lex. It does get Lex. It gets Lois, although just Kate Bosworth wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, she didn't really do it for me. But... And, and it gets Superman. It does. It just fails to execute a little bit it's, just, it has, just, it, it, it's a script issue yeah it's a little it's just a little slow and there are some things that would have made it better like um so i i have a copy of the script Ooh. i mean it, it's like a bound yeah, it's like yeah. a published version it's not like i swiped it off a desk <laughs> at warner brothers 10 years ago or anything like that um but the originally that film opened with him actually navigating through the remains of krypton so there's a shot of it in the original teaser trailer. Wouldn't that be super dangerous for him? Well, that's the thing is he goes there to like – so basically Lex plants the story that like part of Krypton survived the explosion and Superman feels he has to go investigate. So he builds a ship at a, out at the Force of Altitude and he leaves. And it's a five-year journey mm-hmm. for him to go out there and come back. When he gets out there, just the whole place is just a ruin. It's just filled with Kryptonite. There's nothing there but death. That's my question. Yeah. So, like they always have these stories of, oh, Superman goes back to like see the remains of Krypton. Uh, Krypton. Wouldn't it just be nothing but just like a swarm of kryptonite? Wouldn't he immediately yeah. die? And that's basically it. He gets out there and he immediately like falls sick because he's just surrounded by kryptonite. And so then he like collapses and basically sends the ship to turn around and come back. And eventually he, he arrives back on Earth. But I think – I get why that's slow. And that's a hard thing to include in the first act. Mm-hmm. But I think it better establishes what he was trying to do. It better establishes alienation. Um, and because Superman Returns does a little bit of what you said – what did the planet do in his absence? Yeah. I think you I think you maybe spend a little bit more I think it's it's it I mean, at that point the world had kind of gotten used to him not being around. I think it's more mm-hmm. interesting what happens in a world where he's there's all of a sudden immediately mm-hmm. gone. Like the Superman Dooms the animated movie, like the first DC animated right. um film. That touched on that a little bit, where you have like other people trying to step up. I think that's where you also introduce Steel. Yeah. I don't think you can necessarily do like the Eradicator, like Cyborg Superman be a little messy, Superboy's messy, but Steel's a great version. Like Steel becomes that normal person who realizes they can be inspired and he goes out of his way to try and make the world better. I think you also established like John Henry Irons somewhere yeah. there in a previous film and he's you a, drop him in He's there. A, an amazing engineer and he's a, someone who's kind of like mentally able to keep up with Superman. He's an interesting person. He is. I think he's an interesting character. I think that's how you naturally introduce that idea of like someone trying to take on that mantle mm-hmm. and when Superman actually comes back obviously he like steps down and he's like no, 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 like I still need help. Like right, you should right. still keep doing what you're doing. Like the whole idea is to inspire. Yeah, I mean if you step down. We have the same issue we had, which is why I died. Well, you died, yeah. Don't. We need yeah. you to not. I need you to help me. Help, help, help me, me with please. this. Yeah. So, so, the, so in the fifth movie, the final battle with Lex, Lex is wearing the big green suit. Mm-hmm. And I kind of imagine there's a bit of a punch, 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 solving issues with punching. Yeah. And then Superman eventually wins, but Lex isn't defeated because he has all these other machinations mm-hmm. in play. And then it's, for, I would say it's first at the battle of fists and then it's the battle of wits. Because, mm-hmm. I mean... After five movies, let's say, that's not like, all right, the big conclusion is we're hitting each other. Yeah. You need to do something more there. And there's got to be like more at play, more at risk. And it's the kind of like, all right, I've been watching you this whole time and I know what you care about. I know what you do. Your options are this. Go here, which will kill you, but you'll be able to save these people or do something else. Mm-hmm. And it's some, something like that. And Superman figure out, figures out another way around it. Because the whole my whole problem is... Uh, with Man of Steel is that you only have this option. You have to kill me or I'm going to kill them. Yeah. Uh, Superman always 
figures out another way. Mm-hmm. So it's something where it's not double jeopardy or whatever it is. It's not like a, a, a lose-lose it's situation. It's not a catch-22, yeah. Thank he, you. Yeah. Superman figures out something else. It might cost him – it might cost him. Like he'd sacrifice himself to do it. Yeah. But also he makes it so that he he doesn't have to do one of the two bad options. Yeah. He he would be more clever than that. He would find a way around it rather than like, right. well, okay, fine. Yeah. So dumb. I listened to an interview and they were like, well, I mean, one of the rules is Superman can't kill people. What if we made him kill people? And that was literally something I heard in an interview and I got so upset. I know. It just it, – they. Do you, want, do you want to hear another thing to make you upset about the Man of Steel Superman movies? Go ahead. I mean – So let's say Zack Snyder and Henry Rollins. Henry Cavill. Uh, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill uh, had an argument about what the character would be on set. Do you know how they would solve? Uh, how they would come to a conclusion about who was right? Arm wrestling contest. Push up contest. Fuck me, Jesus Christ! Because Zack Snyder wanted to do more push ups than Superman. Well, if that doesn't sum up all the things wrong with the DCU in a nutshell, well, also Zack Snyder is now going to uh, make what's the Ayn Rand book? The Fountainhead. Oh, His yeah. next movie is The Fountainhead. <laughs> And that also tells you everything wrong. <laughs> it's Ugh. just, I mean, you have to understand your character. And the, the problem is they were trying to make the Dark Knight, but with Superman, you, you don't do that. Right. You make a film's tone match the tone of the character. This right. is why Deadpool works. This is why the Dark Knight also works. Because mm-hmm. it understood its character. I have other issues with the Dark Knight. I won't get into those here. And it's why Green Lantern fails. Never. I've never seen it. Don't. Yeah. I might at some point. We we Cameron and I have talked about revisiting all of the DC films I as like guys, little bonus episodes. You guys made a reference to something at some point, like oh, and this guy shows up and says hello, Miss Lane, and it's like Clark. Like the person re- is recognized immediately. I don't know. Maybe you guys may have been something else, but like was talking about how like someone immediately recognizes someone based on their superpower because yeah. they recognize their voice. Yeah, they do that in Green Lantern a little bit, and I love it. Mm-hmm. It's the best part of the whole movie. Where uh, Hal Jordan shows up to, I don't know, Blake Lively, whatever her name is. Uh, Carol Ferris. Sure. Uh, and he's like, yeah, hey, uh, I'm here to save the day. And she's like, Hal? And he's like, how could you possibly recognize you? You're wearing a little mask. I'm going to recognize – yeah. I have seen you naked. I'm not – I'm going to recognize <laughs> you if I can't see your eyebrows. Yeah. It's the best line of the whole movie and it's something I've – like there are some bad movies that do things I've always wanted to see. That was one of them. Yeah. Another one is Ocean's uh, 11. No, which is the Ocean's 12. Oh, yeah. Where they have Julia Roberts, the actress Julia Roberts, who's playing a character, look playing like Julia the Roberts, actress, yeah. Julia Ro- and I've always wanted to see that. I'm glad it was in a bad movie because yeah. it's a terrible idea, but I've al- I'd always <laughs> wanted to see it. What would that it. look like? So it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I No, I have never watched Green Lantern. Um, I feel like I'll have to do it at some point, I guess, maybe. Do a bad movie night. Just like have a bunch of people over and just make yeah. fun of the movie. Like do a, do a low-key Mystery Science Theater 3000 of Green Lantern. That's a good way to go about yeah. it. Yeah. So – um, now, because I, I have obviously listened to your podcast, and one of the big things, of course, is casting. Now, yes. I uh, didn't really have time to get too thorough into it, but I feel like you did. I did, and I didn't, especially because we expanded on it a little bit. But let's say we're just recasting the first movie. Right, yeah. It's not worth going into all the depths of it. I threw in Zod, Ursa, Non. I'm still curious at what all those people are. So I'm, cu- uh, I'm very curious what your choices were. So I, I did a lot of people, and one of the reasons I was excited to do this is because I've known who I wanted to play Mercy – Mm-hmm. since <gasps> january oh my god i love mercy so i'm going great, to start with mercy great because character. another one completely wasted by the dceu oh, absolutely and she's so interesting and it, the way she's used in in superman actually in the, yeah. in the animated series where she talks about how like i'm gonna be loyal to lex i was nothing yeah 
he rescued me. And so I'm going to be loyal to him forever because everything that I am, he gave me. So is your version of Mercy just a, a normal badass? Is she an Amazon? Is she like part cyborg? We've seen all kinds of iterations of her. Which version do you go for? Normal. I think normal person is the most interesting. I agree with that. Because a normal person who – like I would see her as Lady Batman. Mm-hmm. Someone Ooh, who yeah. is – has mastered all these different forms of combat and is also incredibly resourceful and very, very smart but needed some sort of something to push her down that path. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it was Lex. And so she's devoted to Lex in the same way Batman is devoted to the concept of like like avenging his parents. Yeah. And that's what I find more interesting. If she's an Amazon, okay. <laughs> so – yeah, it is a lot. Of, well, and especially in a world where the Amazons aren't necessarily a thing, it's a lot harder to, to do that, yeah, obviously. And also, it serves no story element. Yeah. And then I I like in Young Justice how she has, like, mechanical components. I don't want her to be a cyborg because that's also boring. Yeah. But, like, if she gets hurt and so she – like, they take the technology from what they did for uh, Metallo. Oh, right, yeah. And they use it a little bit to make her better. Great. That could be interesting, yeah. Like, because – both she and Lex are leveling up over the course of the movies. Ooh. They start at level whatever, and then by the end of it, they're maxed. They're maxed out, and yeah. they're ready to go. Oh, I love it. Like, like even to the point where if like she's Lady Metallo, like they they like she gets more Metallo over the course of the series, and by the end, like she was willing to give everything to Lex because she got everything from him. Like, and she willingly became Metallo. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yes. Anyway, I cast Emily Blunt. Oh, <gasps> brilliant! Because. Absolutely brilliant. That's who it has to be. Yeah. I, I love Emily Blunt. Because she can go back and forth. She's the sweet thing. She's the super – she's an amazing badass and she's also amazingly talented. Mm-hmm. She is Mercy. Like, yeah. And I haven't used her in any other podcast leading up to this one. Because I, <laughs> I was like, oh, no. She's in the back burner. Emily Blunt is Mercy. My God. Perfect. Cool. Absolutely perfect. Um, so I'm curious. I'm curious. So – because I thought the only – Casting that I really thought about a lot, and I I, I like this one was was Lois, but Interesting. I'm I'm curious. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Do you do we start at like the lesser known characters and build towards the big ones? How how do you Let, think we should approach it? Okay, because I want to have a conversation about Superman because I had the most trouble with Superman. Okay, yeah, I had one idea, which was that I was going to start looking through uh, the <laughs> the list of all the people that they considered for Han Solo and see if any names jumped out. I mean, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, so I might have to scan through that a little bit as we get closer. But okay, let, any- let me start with Zod, Ursa, and Non oh that I just kind of okay. threw in just because I thought they were fun. All right. What's a Superman movie without hinting at the next Superman movie? Not that I think you should ever use these in the movies we've come up with. Yeah. I just think they're goofy. Okay. So Zod, the person who makes the most sense to be Zod is Aiden Gillen, Littlefinger. <gasps> oh my God, yes. I mean, that's kind of what the character is, but he's Littlefinger. But with power. With power. That is great. He was Littlefinger on Krypton, and now all of a sudden he's on Earth and he has superpowers. And he's like, I don't need to manipulate anymore. Now I have the power. And that I find super interesting because like, because imagine if – because it's kind of what Littlefinger's arc is. Mm -hmm. He's a slow build, slow build, slow build. What if he skipped 10 steps? Oh, yeah. And he just got to jump straight into it. Yeah. Oh, that would be interesting. And then for non – I was like, well, we need a wrestler. But then I already used the one wrestler that looks kind of the most like him, which is a wrestler named uh, Braun Strowman. Okay. I don't watch wrestling. Yeah, I don't either. But uh, when we did Police Academy, I had my two friends who do. Well, I have more than two friends that watch wrestling. But the two guests two, two, Yeah, the two, yeah. And we used Braun Strowman for one of the characters in that movie. So for this, I did Rory McCann, the Hound. <gasps> oh, also great choice. He'd also be great. Yes. And so I was like, all right. So we have Zod and Nan. <laughs> so- so obviously, obviously, Ursa, do you know who I'm going to cast? 
Um, uh, Amelia Clark? Lead, uh, Lena Hetty. Oh. She's already a badass. She's yeah, Sarah Connor. She is indeed. Oh, very good choice. And now she's one. an actual interesting person instead of – because Ursa's never been interesting. No, not really. But if it's Cersei. Oh, yeah. I like this a lot. Okay. It is. Excellent choices. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So those three, I was like really excited because I was like, I found a theme and it super works. Yeah. But then, and they get to be the accented people because they're from far away and everyone else kind of get rid of that. Yeah. <laughs> everyone else can just be American. Yeah. Jorel was hard just because yeah. you kind of want to have like this old established person. Like clearly it's this old school actor giving advice to the, the new school actor. Mm-hmm. Get that gravitas. But the the way people watch movies now, like when people used to watch movies in the 50s and 60s, they wanted gods. They wanted these amazing celebrity figures that they could worship. Mm-hmm. That's not really how people watch movies anymore. So that's not really public perception of celebrity. Mm-hmm. Like now people want a, a person to follow, like a Twitter, a friend, a, 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 someone who is interesting and is like, yeah, they're just like us. Which is why people like Taylor Swift and whatever are so popular. It's like, yeah, we're we're like her. Oh She's my God. just like us, Taylor Swift. But that doesn't work for Jorel because Jorel needs to be this like this knowledgeable. Yeah, figure. I mean, he's literally a voice of God. Right. I cast Burt Reynolds, oh, but he's really so, old. It's so out there. It's kind of interesting, though. Oh, he's the only. I mean, because the other your other option is someone like George Clooney, but you yeah. can't do that because he's Batman. That's true. He was Batman. So, but I mean, hey, there's there's precedent for this sort of thing. Absolutely. Um. Oh, but that, is, that one's old. tough. So Jorel, I want to talk about because who else? exists in our world that we live in right now that kind of can be that god figure i mean can't make it morgan freeman anymore uh, okay i mean uh, uh sam elliott maybe mm, no he's a little the too he's a little too of... he's a little too cowboy for i mean obviously that's his whole thing yeah <laughs> um that's his stick that is his stick okay this this might seem like an easy choice Especially if we're only really doing a voice. Like if we're going maybe like the Smallville route where we, we just hear his voice and we never actually like meet him in person or maybe we only meet him like yeah, briefly in I mean, person. You, you meet Jorel in Smallville. Well, yeah, that's a whole thing. Like the young Jorel. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But I'm thinking um, – so Are you thinking like, Ron Howard because he's – Yes, he, obviously. I'm thinking Clint Howard. <laughs> well, I was thinking Ron Howard because in Arrested <laughs> Development. He's the, he's, he's he's the, the voiceless. Um, what about Christopher Plummer? Interesting. Great voice. Yeah. Very, very charming. Absolutely. I'm not opposed to that. I think yeah, that's if a you're, great if you're idea. doing more just, I mean, because that was one of the cool things about Smallville was they got Terrence Stamp to come in and do just the voice. Um, I can, I can maybe see, I, don't know, I think that could possibly work. I mean, if you're going to be doing just the voice, is there any reason not to go with um, Jeremy Irons? <gasps> oh, oh, that's a, oh, I love Jeremy Irons. Oh, so when they were, when they were, hmm. <laughs> When they were casting Batman vs. Superman, one of the names I heard pop up for potential Alfred was Timothy Dalton. I don't know who that is. He was the fourth James Bond. Ah. So the I, James Bond I, in the I, 80s. That makes he, sense he why only, it would appeal he, to He you. only had two yeah, – of course. He only had two <laughs> movies. Uh, he was also the villain in Hot Fuzz. He ran – he owned the store. So he's already friends with Rory McCann. So there we go. Exactly. But I, I thought he would have been a very interesting outfit because he, he was also the, the voice of the, um, uh, the, the, like the, not the squirrel, like the little, the, the hedgehog in Lederhosen in Toy Story 3. Oh my God. <laughs> but he's like, like that, that, that character's like, oh, I'm an actor. And he like yes. hands it up. But like he, he is actually very funny and also like very, very charming. Uh, have you seen The Rocketeer? 
I have not. It's on my list. What the hell? I'm sorry. If you ever do a remake of Rocketeer, you call me back. I would. I it, love the Rocketeer. I have a whole list of movies. Oh, good, good. I can, there's so many of these. Um, I think, I don't know. I don't know if I can see him really doing, I think he's a little too hammy to necessarily do Jarrell, but mm, mm, Okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of liking Christopher Plummer, maybe. Christopher Plummer it is? It's just a voice. It's just that disembodied voice. Mm. I think it's a nice idea. Yeah. And that way you can kind of have, like, when Brainiac is doing the Brainiac things, like, hey, buddies, I'm Christopher Plummer. Yeah. Check this out. Okay, I'm down for that. All right. What else we got? So then that brings us to Jonathan and Martha. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about Jonathan and Martha. They've always been cast as white Kansas people. Yeah. But here's the thing. Superman's adopted. Yeah. They could look like anything. Mm-hmm. They could be anybody. And I think it's especially impressive if they had a relationship that, especially growing up in Kansas, was kind of frowned upon. And that's kind of what gave them like, no, this is right. This We're doing this because, it's the right, because A, we love each other. And we're not going to let people get us down because we're still going to do the right thing. And we're not going to take it out on anybody. And so for Jonathan, I cast John Hamm. But, oh. for, but for Martha, I did Mariska Hargitay. Okay. From Law and Order SVU. Yeah. So she kind of – she's getting a little bit older, so she is kind of the right age to be Superman's mom. Mm-hmm. But also we kind of know her as this kind of strong like detective, this person who solves crimes and goes out and gets things done. Yeah. And that's kind of what we want for Martha. My roster of older actresses isn't as extensive as I'd like it to be. <clears throat> well, it's, but, that applies to all of Hollywood. So, But I thought for these two characters in particular – I want to cast like essence of the character as opposed to what they actually are. And I think John is kind of like the stoic badass. And I think if their relationship was a mixed race relationship, that gives them, especially in Kansas, that gives them a reason to be having overcome struggle and like a really Wait, good sense of right and wrong. They're both white. John Mish- Hamm and Mishka Hargitay. Mishka Hargitay is white? Yeah. Is she? Yes. I saw a picture of her and I did not think she was. I thought she was of Indian descent. I don't think so. I'm it, looking maybe this maybe up. like slight Indian descent, but she looks she looks pretty white. Not the picture I saw, but I believe you. Um. Oh so, shit! I I put the wrong person. Who are you thinking of? I saw a picture of her that looks completely different than this picture. Oh okay, but I I like where you're going. I think I actually think yeah. I think you could cast. I think you could go. I definitely put the right like the right background but what picture did i see of her I mean, i'm very curious now but no I, I like what you're saying i think you could go any race you could absolutely make you know um jonathan martha like both black actors you could make them indian or asian you could pretty much make them anybody um because so, you're right superman's adopted like they don't that never has to be a thing they can be any race either way i kind of had them as both placeholders so Mariska hargitay is actually a bad choice i don't like her anymore <laughs> so we have to replace both of them okay or we can replace both of them who who do we have? Who is like the essence? I mean, it could be like Octavia Spencer. It could be anybody. Okay, what about this? What about this? so? Okay, I, I'm I'm kind of pulling a little bit from Man of Steel, but I really like this actor. What if it was Octavia Spencer and Lawrence Fishburne? A, a black couple? That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I just, I like them both. Uh, what's the age difference between those two? I think I mean because Octavia Spencer, I think, is in her sixties, but isn't Lawrence I mean Fishburne I Lawrence seventies? Lawrence Fishburne's definitely a little bit older than her, maybe a little bit. So maybe you go – maybe you don't go Lawrence Fishburne. Maybe you go – I don't know. And it, again, it doesn't have to be Octavia Spencer. It could be anybody. Yeah. But, but I, I, yeah, I, th- I think you – you I think there you deliberately bring some diversity into the cast at that point because you can because there's no reason not to. Absolutely. So let's go with those two. Okay. And if someone else cool 
occurs to you. Cool. Yeah. Which brings me to Perry White. Okay. I, don't I have... do have someone for Perry White. Okay. I'm very curious who you got. Clancy Brown. Oh, fun callback there. Yeah. Oh, I like it. I'm on board. Because he's been involved in everything. Yeah. And he also has kind of the voice and like he's run stuff. Yeah. If you find that that's a cool callback to the animated series yeah. too, to throw him in there. Right. I mean, he's voiced everything, but he's also an actor. Like yeah. he was in uh, the the one, uh, Hail Caesar. Oh, that's right. He was. And he's Shawshank Redemption and he's everything. Oh, wait. Hang on. I just had a great idea. Um, if you're talking about like doing like fun callbacks to other places, uh, Tim Daly voice of Superman from the animated series as Jonathan. As who? As Jonathan. Jonathan Kent. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, is, is he the right age? Um, no, actually, he? yeah, no, he would work because his son Sam is, I imagine if we're doing like an intro Superman story, Superman would probably be in his like mid-20s here probably, right? Mid mid to late 20s. Yeah, yeah so I think, yeah, then, um, yeah, Tim Daly would work because his son is around that age. Perfect. Yeah. Tim Daly, Octavia Spencer. I think that's, I think that's super fun. Yeah, I like it. And then Clancy Brown for Perry White. Love it. Which brings us to Jimmy Olsen, and then we'll get into our big three. Okay, all right. Who got for Jimmy? Naomi Scott. Wait, wait, Naomi Scott. She's the Pink Ranger in the new uh, Power Ranger movie, and she's also going to be Jasmine. Oh, that's right. I love it. Because Jimena, whatever. Yeah. But it's So basically, Jonathan and Martha and, and Jimmy can be anybody. Can and be one anybody. of the things I liked about Supergirl is like, they make him James Olsen. I, I think it's fine if it's still Jimmy because it's fine. Just call him Jimmy. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Like, I don't care who they cast. I care that they gave him a dumb name. Yeah. Well, and it's funny you mentioned making Jimmy female because in Man of Steel, there's like Jenny the intern. Everyone's like, is that just like supposed to be Jimmy? And I would have been totally cool with that. Yeah. But, but then they're like, no, no, she's not even background for Batman vs. Superman. We're going to introduce Jim Jimmy Olsen. He's going to be a CA spy. We're going to kill him. Did they really do that? They really did that. That's super dumb. Yeah, and I think, if I recall, in the movie, like, they kill that character. I think they don't even necessarily say his name. It's implied that it's him. Wow. And then Zack Snyder's like, oh, yeah, that's actually the real Jimmy Olsen. Like, I thought it would be fun to just kill him off instead of having him be part of the story. Ugh. Yeah, I know. Groan all you want. I don't like it's any of well, this. It's well-deserved. <laughs> um, no, I think that's a great idea. I Okay, I have a soft spot, actually, for the Power Rangers movie. I love Power the Power Rangers movie. I thought I it was, was super fun. It was so much fun. It was great. Yeah. There was one thing that was super weird. It actually was involving – well, I mean, there were a couple things. Some of the acting isn't great. Yeah. But that's not necessarily their fault. It was – but it was fine. Because Blue Ranger was great. Red Ranger was fine. Naomi Scott was awesome. Like, I liked her a lot. There was a moment where, like, she does a dive off a cliff into some lake. And it's super obviously CGI. Oh yeah, it had some it had some weak spots here and there, but oh, it was fun. And I'm sorry, the fact that they found a way to incorporate the original like yeah. Go Go Power Rangers theme and it fucking works. It, it absolutely worked. Beautiful. I loved it. It was great. I don't I don't know if it did well enough for us to get I another want, one because I, I want I want one so I, bad. I feel like it was good enough that if you got past having to do all the setup. And you got to just kind of play in that world a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm a, I heard a lot of people saying that if they were to do another one, obviously they should introduce Tommy and Tommy should be a girl. I'm cool with that. Would be amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. It'd be so much fun. And so basically they introduced Tommy and then the second villain is Lord Zed. Yeah. It's great. Why don't we just fucking do that? Yeah. I would watch that. I want I will it. I give want, them I my money. Now. Yeah. I, would pay, I wouldn't even use my movie pass. I'd pay flat out to see that movie. I saw, I saw the first Power Rangers movie at an arc light. I paid the a lot money. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it twice in theaters. And ArcLight in Los Angeles. Yeah. Actually, the ArcLight in Santa Monica. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so, but yeah, that's what I have for Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, I love it. So that leaves us with Superman, Lois, and Lex. Okay. So 
you have someone for Lois? I did. This this thought occurred to me today, and I feel like I, I might be interested in kind of changing up a little bit. Um, but uh, I was thinking Allison Brie would make a good Lois. Mm. You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. But I feel like yours might be more interesting. I mean, the obvious choice is picking Rachida Jones. <gasps> oh, my God. Yes. Because, well, she looks like Margot Kidder. Every time I watch this movie, I'm like, Margot Kidder. That's and just she white, has, Rashida, see, I think white Rashida Jones. I like Allison Brie, but I think you're right. I think – Rashida Jones would have more of that like attitude that you yeah. need from Lois. She has to That's have that said, sort of Allison like spunk. has that attitude. Well, no, because she's still really sweet in Glow, even though she's the heel. Yeah, like the whole arc of Glow is she doesn't have the spunk. She's just so sweet, and people people don't buy her, and she has to get it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on this one. Actually, I really think Rashida Jones is a good choice. I had another person in case you didn't want White Margot Kidder. Okay, uh, Darcy Carden. Who's Darcy Carden? Janet. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I like Janet. She's also bad Janet. Yes. I do like that character a lot, actually. Oh, that would have been an interesting choice. And I kind of have her because she's super interesting. And that's one character she plays, and so she can kind of do that. But, like, apparently – I haven't seen her in anything else, but my understanding is that she's completely different characters. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what you want for an investigative journalist. Yeah. Someone who can kind of become all these different things to get the information. I think no matter what, the character has to be, like be self-confidence, ballsy, and don't take no guff from no one. Yeah, and like, and but also like fun and a little bit snarky. And I just, I, yeah, I, you know, I in general like Amy Adams, but I felt like she just didn't have the right kind of personality. Right. Yeah, she's and, just and very again, flat. I agree. First of all, Arrival is amazing. It was that movie. It's a great yeah, movie. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen Andrew Tribeca? No, but I've heard it's good. Yeah, Rashida Jones and Andrew Tribeca is. Very, very good. Yeah. And again, during the Police Academy episode, I talked about that a lot because I pulled some people in. It's worth – watch the first season. It's goofy, okay. it's tongue-in-cheek, and it's great. So, But I love that kind of tone, so I'm, oh, all, I'm yeah. all on board for it. Absolutely. So, But th- that's why I had those two. I like it. Because normally, like, I'll have guests and they'll bring in, like, multiple people. I'm like, no, just pick one. This one is the only one of these that I where I had two options. Yeah, I like Rashida Jones. All right, Rashida Jones, which gives us Lex, who – Unfortunately, my Lex and my Superman are the ones where I'm the weakest because I'm just like, ah, those not are positive. those are hard to do. Yeah, because they have to be so much. Yeah, Lex, I think needs to be an established like someone we've seen before. Mm-hmm. I'm perfectly happy making Superman a new someone new. That's kind of how I feel along those lines too. I feel like you you bring in someone relatively unknown. You bring in someone who you don't have a preconceived notion of. So right. You just let them embody the character rather than be like they have oh. to be someone who we see from that like Christopher Reeves. He's do- he did a bunch of stuff, but he's Superman. Yeah. And that's kind of who we need. Yeah. I mean, Henry Cavill has done other things, but you see him in anything else now. He's Superman. He's Superman, yeah. And he- I know he was in Royal Pains or whatever it is. The Tudors. Is that what he was in? He's talking about the show, right? I don't know. Like, what- whatever yeah, British yeah, show he was, like, he was in He was Henry VIII or something like that, or maybe he wasn't that character. Whatever. But yeah, no, sorry. It was Jonathan Rice Myers. Who's, I think it was Henry VIII. But he was the- in The Tudors. Right. Yeah. And even seeing him in the new uh, Mission Impossible trailer where he's like some guy who's fighting uh, Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. The only reason that they're having him fight Tom Cruise is because it's, oh, look, Tom Cruise is fighting Superman. Yeah. We all know that's what they're doing. And I quite liked him in um, The Man from U.N.C.L.E., a movie that I, I thought was a lot of fun. I need to see it. I've, I've heard good things. It's not great, but I had fun with it. Fair enough. Yeah. I've like the weird post that I keep seeing is like, Ooh. I watched The Man from U.N.C.L.E. on a plane and we're not good enough for The Man from U.N.C.L.E. or something. something, something. I don't know. Okay. I just had two. In- okay. I had two ideas for Lex Luthor just now. Great. Um, one of them, Jude Law, 
That's interesting. That's a good choice. I like him a lot. Talk about someone who is like naturally very charming, but yeah. definitely can like bring in that sort of like menace and dread. Mm-hmm. The other one, and I think I'm actually feeling a little bit stronger about this one, Mahershala Ali. You know what? I considered him. Oh, you did? I did. Yeah. Because he's great. He is. And he, again, super charming, but very capable of going like the dark menacing Absolutely. place. The only reason why I didn't pick uh, Mershahala Ali was because of his character in Luke Cage. Like, right. We've it's kind very, of seen it's what very he liked, similar. What yeah. he's like as, as as kind of this boss. Yeah. I mean, I'm perfectly happy with Mershahala Ali because he's great. It's amazing. He, but it would have to be a completely different rendition. Like, he's never been street. Yeah. Like, he is the businessman and he built himself up from nothing. Yeah. The only downside to casting Mershahala Ali is the bad guy's black. Good guy white, bad guy black. Yeah, which is not it's that, not great. Yeah, you know, that's a tough spot. It's it's not it's not. Which remember I was talking to you about uh, Hocus Pocus, and you oh, couldn't yeah. just do the three women from oh uh, hidden uh, figures, from hidden figures yeah. as your three witches because then just black people as your villains, and you, and that's already something that people deal with, like in popular culture, how all of the good guys are lighter colors and all of the bad yeah. guys are darker colors. I know, and it's it's like that. I've I've talked a little bit about this in terms of like queer representation. Like I want to see more like gay villains, for example. Mm-hmm. But it's that problem is we're not there yet. Like if, you, you have okay. to have the point where it's like you have as many gay heroes, so then it's okay to have them also have like gay villains. When I kept looking uh, up people to play Superman, and I kept looking up young actors, this that the person who kept com- coming up was uh, the kid from, and now I'm going to blank on the name of the movie, the one with uh, Army Hammer. Oh, uh, Timothy Chalamet yeah. from um, Call Me by Your Name. Yeah, he kept coming up, and he's not a bad. He's not bad casting. I think for he could it. possibly do it. He could. Yeah. He'd have to cut his hair. Yeah. And, he, and I think he's a little young. It would take a few That's years. That's like, One of the names that came to mind when I was thinking about this was uh, Nick Robinson. I don't know who that is. Did you see Love Simon? No. Was he the lead? He's the lead in that. He was also the older brother in Jurassic World. Okay. Yeah. I think he could do it, but again, you need a few more years yeah. on it. And again, it might be better to go for like, an unknown. The problem with Superman is that like, there's so much there like yeah. you can't have a skinny superman superman has to be built he does he, yeah you have to for no reason superman doesn't need to have muscles he has super strength right but i think like i know yeah it's like one of those characters like i kind of it does you do need to have he does enough like, lifting you're gonna your body like yeah. just doing the motion and you can, again, you can still muscles. do like a lean cut version yeah like the the superman in earth one is like younger leaner isn't the cut. new 52 leaner as well i think so yeah he doesn't necessarily have to be uh, he, big and broad yeah and I think it was on your podcast where I said in any of the animated shows, however, like I can tell how good it's going to be depending on how jacked they made Superman. Right. Because a leaner Superman makes more sense. It kind of does actually. Yeah. Like and, he should be like a peak of human fitness. And if you make your Superman look like He-Man, then you can tell that it's a bunch of macho uh, alpha males who made the the movie and I'm not going to like it. Yeah. It's going to be dumb. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like become broad. For Lex, the person I had was Billy Zane. Okay. Yeah. Who's fine. But again, he, he and he would probably be great because mm-hmm. he kind of can like go back and forth between kind of a little bit wacky and then all of a sudden serious. Yeah. I like your two more. Mm-hmm. And again, I love Mashahala Ali. What about um what about uh Nikolai Coster Waldau? Tell so me who he is. Jamie Lannister. He would probably be great. He'd be kind of interesting, yeah. I don't necessarily see him as being a genius mastermind. That's the problem though. I do see that Mashahal Ali being yeah. that way, though. Now, what if you went John Hamm? And pulled John Hamm in his Lex Luthor? I thought about that. I actually uh, 
when I originally pulled Clancy Brown, I originally made Clancy Brown Lex Luthor. Just go for it, right? And the reason why is because I thought it'd be interesting if Lex Luthor was established. He built himself up. He did all of this and he spent his entire life working towards something and Superman shows up and is immediately that. And yeah. th- that immediately puts the bug the the bug in his brain or whatever. Because I, I think you still – Lex should still feel physically intimidating. Like, I, I think, agree. I think this is part of the problem with doing the, the, the Jesse Eisenberg – fucking Mark Zuckerberg version Mm -hmm. is that you have to believe that Lex would get his hands dirty. And like that version of Lex seems like he would just hire someone to do it. They both need to represent power. Yeah. But different kinds of power. Yeah. And unfortunately you need to be a a larger gentleman to represent that kind of power, especially if all of a sudden you're, I'm okay with Lex Luthor starting skinnier, but if he's going to be competing with Superman, all of a sudden he sees that and he may not realize he's doing it. He's smart. I'm sure he is, but he's like, I want to look like that too. Yeah. Because that's what people – like obviously people like look up to that and if I'm bigger as well. It's like how Morpheus is skinnier in the first Matrix and <laughs> bigger in the second Matrix. Yeah. Like Lex gets bigger over the course of the series as Mer- as he and Mercy level up. Exactly. Yeah. He gets a, yeah, a little more toned, a little bit more physically intimidating. I like that idea actually of him getting like – So I'm trying totally to happy that ideal. casting a at-the-moment skinnier actor. But if you're doing that, you need to be someone younger who can bulk up. Yeah. And I, I think Lex has to be a little bit on the older side. Yeah. I think John Hamm's a good idea. I think it could possibly work, yeah. Okay. But if we're going to be doing John Hamm, like between John Hamm and Masha Halali, I'd probably go with Masha Halali. I would, I would too, yeah. I think, I think John Hamm's been the business guy. We know what to expect. Yeah, he would just be Don Draper. I think you go Mahershala Ali and like, I agree with you. I think that there, there is, while like you are kind of deliberately, you are casting blind, you're just going for the best possible actor regardless of race, which is what you should do. You do have that problem of yeah, just the like... The optics aren't great. The optics aren't great on it. And yeah, and it's like, it's a good intent, but like people will look at that the wrong way or they will deliberately push it the wrong way because right. they can. Because people are monsters. They are. They suck, Sam. Yes. They suck. Which, so let's <laughs> but someone who doesn't suck, let's, Superman. Let's go with him because he's right. Yes. And ignore the potentially bad optics. Okay. I'm I'm going to look through this list of potential casting for, for Han Solo. Okay. Um, and let's see if there's and anyone who before we who just decide that we need out. to go with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> hey, he's finally getting a chance to play Superman. Yeah, I know. I'm um, sure, I'm sure he will be very enthusiastic about it. Here's the thing about Superman. Because Superman is one of, if not the most recognizable character of fiction other than Jesus. Yeah. Even I, as much as I'd love to do colorblind casting, you kind of need a white dude with black hair. Yeah. Which, I... But like, like even when they cast the dude in uh, Supergirl, he kind of has a little bit of a five o'clock shadow. People like, that's not really Superman. Oh, but, yeah. But um, he's a fantastic Superman. Tyler Hoechlin, yeah. Yeah, he's very, very good. He's got the buns for it. Yes. <laughs> and, Mostly what I care about. Uh, that's, then it's good <laughs> then it's, it's good that he has that but he's also super earnest and he's actually good at both like he yeah. they managed to find a really really good superman and so i i don't know enough people and i can't have people come in thousands of times to do this audition but what they did for that like he doesn't get the look exactly perfect but he's able to do superman and he's able to do he, he embodies the spirit of it yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah I, i've heard that he's really good in that show i thought that was a really great casting choice on their part yeah the the person that i came up with after like an hour searching because I had no idea where to look and I was like mm-hmm. trying to do this because I did come up with a white kid who like could be a little bit bulkier. He needed to dye his hair, but he's got the blue eyes. It's this young actor named Joe Alwyn and I have a picture of him on the piece of paper. Okay. And he's one of those actors who isn't really associated with anything, oh. but he's on his way up. I could see that. What's he been in? I don't remember. Because <laughs> <clears throat> he looks familiar. I feel like I've seen him on something before. Billy. Oh, he was, oh, was, he, the, oh, he was the main guy in Billy... I was about to say Billy Flynn's. Billy Lynn's <laughs> long halftime walk, which I never actually saw. 
Um, but, oh, yeah, I could see that look. He's also 6'1". That definitely helps. You got to have the height. Mm-hmm. You really do. Okay, I like that. Yeah, because I, I mean, my whole thinking is... I mean, I want to hear this list of people who were up for Solo. I okay. Mean, I'm, I'm not going to know any of their names, but if there's anyone on that list who stands out for you, great. Okay, let me let me go back to that list. Okay. So this is the list of people who are up for Solo. Dave Franco, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Miles Teller, Nick Robinson... Well, I'm going to immediately throw away Dave Franco and Miles Teller. Yeah. Reasons. Yeah. I like Dave Franco. but I, think, I like Dave Franco a lot. But I think, again, he, he's not the right personality. And, and I mean, also, obviously, we're talking like Hansel and, and Superman are not And also, people look at him and go, that's Dave Franco. Wait, yeah. They don't look at him and go, that's um, Yeah, Nick Robinson, who again, I thought. Although, I bet he would get along really well with Allison Brie. Indeed, they would. Um, I'm not sure who Leo Howard or Tony Oler is. Chandler Riggs sounds familiar, but I can't remember who that is. Rami Malik, No. Ed Westwick, no. Tom Felton, no. Logan Lerman, no. Ansel Elgort, Jack Rayner, Colton Haynes, Max Thoreau, Scott Eastwood, Chris Pratt. They were considering Chris – of course they were. Yeah, like that was that whole thing, right? Yeah, they were considering that for Hansel, which would have been weird because he's like I think older now than Harrison Ford was when they cast him. Yeah. Yeah, like, I looked – I was like – okay, because I could see some possible similarities between mm-hmm. the two but didn't quite – Work the one an actor who I always thought would have made a great Superman never really got a chance. Oh my god, how am I blanking on his name? What's he been in? He, suits, not suits. Um, white collar. What's the main guy's name? Oh my god. <laughs> G- how no? How am I doing this right now? I love him. Matt Bomer. Thank you. My God. So mad at myself. He has the look. He got to voice Superman in one of the movies. One of the not very good ones. Um, he definitely has the look. He has the look. I think he, but he would have had to have been cast like a few years ago. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. He's a little bit too old at this point. But I mean, I think he definitely would have had the look. He he's got that charm. 40 years old. Yeah. Which is, he looks, not that 40 is old, but mind you, if you look at him, you're like, that man cannot possibly be 40. By the time this episode comes out, I will be 30. I know. Well, there you go. I turn 30 next week and i Oh my I'm... God, well, happy birthday. Thank you. Are you excited about turning no. 30? See, now admittedly, I'm 28 on my way towards 29, so I'm not quite there yet. But for me, every year I get older has been better than the one before it. That's I... true of me too, but 30 is a big number. I'm looking forward to being 30. I feel like I could be an adult finally. I don't want to be an adult. Oh my I god! I want to grow up. Oh my god! All, I'm a Toys R Us kid. Oh my god! All I want to do is grow up. I want to have like a normal nine to five job, a mortgage, not a, like a rent, like an actual stable relationship. <laughs> I, like, my dream right now is to live like an adult. Yeah. Well. Yeah. All the things you just said sound great, but still, though. Yeah. I know. What? I just rather be Superman. It's way more fun. He, yeah. Yeah. All right. But he doesn't have a mortgage. <laughs> he probably, true. probably. Well, no. Well, he like, probably owns he the Fortress of Solitude outright. That's true, actually. What, what, what's the property value Squatters like on the North Pole? How does that work? I mean, how does it work when you... I, it's international land. It's international waters. It's international. Yeah. <laughs> there are no rules. You can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> you can build a massive alien fortress and drink while driving a boat. Exactly. Or a car. That's right. Murder is legal. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> There's so many bodies buried behind the glass. That's right. I think, honestly, we both think that Superman should be either someone who's... Cu- up and coming or yeah. an unknown. Yeah. I like your choice. I think – I don't really know much about him. He, I don't, he, he looks like he's got the look. He's got the look. Give he's him a few years. Give him a few pounds. I haven't seen him perform, which is important. But honestly, I think it comes down more to the writing and directing than yeah. it does 
because you just have to make sure he's not too serious and he's earnest. Yeah, I think, yeah, he's got to feel earnest. He has to have that sort of like a little bit of that boyish charm. But I think more than anything else, he has to be a canvas upon which you project that character and let him fill up. And, buy it. and to be to his credit, I think Henry Cavill has not been given a lot, but I think he's he's fine. I think he's been saddled with bad material. Yes. Um, I My think, problem has never been with his performance per se. It's been with what he's been asked to do. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, and I think in... I've heard rumblings that uh, Matthew Vaughn has been interested in possibly doing the next Superman movie. So he did um, X-Men First Class. He did Stardust. Oh. He did the first Kick-Ass. Actually, yeah, he didn't do the second one. Just the first Kick-Ass. Both Kingsmans, but the first one's amazing. The second one is not. Yeah. Um, Although my understanding is that that's also a script issue because there was a, a woman who'd helped write the first script and then didn't help write the second yeah. one. And they just killed all the women. Yeah, that was they don't that was, do anything. That was bad. They killed Lancelot. She was so awesome. She was this so was awesome. gonna be her movie. I know. It was a real terrible decision. But Ugh. I think he has the right sort of energy as a director, and I think he would bring the right sort of tone to it. So I think him, even with Harry Cavill, would be good, but that's personally who I'd always want to see direct this. I mean, he's he's not a bad choice. My go-to director choice had initially been Taika Watiti. Mm-hmm. Who's a little bit on too, the notes, but too I too weird. Maybe just a little bit too weird. He is, but he's earnest. And I picked him not because of Thor Ragnarok. I picked him because of what we do in the shadows. Fair. Because he's able to direct the people who were dark and he's able to direct the people who were light Mm -hmm. in the same movie. Yeah. Because that's kind of what that movie is. Mm -hmm. What about Jordan Peele? Jordan Peele would also be very good. Did you see Get Out? I didn't. It's quite good. I I did not see in theaters, which I had. But like that is a movie too that it's it's very, very dark. Mm -hmm. Also very funny. I'm sure. Yeah. It's, I have a hard time with horror and thrillers, and so it's, yeah. it's not something oh, that right, I can that's really right, watch. Yeah. That ha- Taika Waititi had been my initial thought, and then I ended up doing some searching for people who'd been directors of The Good Place. Oh, okay. Interesting. Because – I think oh, yeah, there's a tone there that I can see if anything. I mean, you talk – I was listening to an interview today with the Russo brothers mm-hmm. because before they did the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they were directors on Community. And Arrested Development. And Arrested Development. So they were TV directors, but they because they'd been able to balance this, and especially if we're doing this movie over five movies, it's mm-hmm. a it's an, a long arc. And so I kind of there isn't really a good consistent director for the Good Place. But I ended up picking uh, a director named Beth McCarthy Miller. Okay. Because her filmography is extensive. So like a she's been nominated for ten primetime Emmys. Good honor. She's directed Thirty Rock. She directed Modern Family, Saturday Night Live, Veep. Martin, Bill Maher, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Life in Pieces, Lip Sync Battle, Divorce, L.A. to Vegas, and The Good Place, mm-hmm. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Good choices. And so because she's directed a lot of these comedies and a lot of these big things and also because something like Batman should be directed by a director like Christopher Nolan, someone who does drama. Yeah. Superman needs to be directed by someone who does comedy. I'd agree with that. Someone who is light. Yeah. So that that's kind of why I went to her. That's also why I originally thought Taika Waititi, but I think you can do – I do think he's a little bit too weird. And Superman's yeah. right down the middle of the road. Yeah. I mean someone like Ron Howard is probably a good choice. No, he's not. But I think we can if do you better. Want an even more generic Superman film than we've had in the past, you pick Ron Howard. Yeah. So that's why I want Having someone who has Solo, a I have of, strong opinions about Ron Howard. I look forward to listening to the episode after I watch the movie. <laughs> but that's kind of what my thought was. Pick someone I like who's her. done TV. Pick someone who's done comedy. I like her. So what did our, our – and I, I guess in this case, since we really pitched it, we have written this. We have. Yes. And we deserve full screenwriter credit. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so what, what did our final list come out to be here? I do have a writer. Okay. Uh, I picked Dan Fogelman. 
Okay. Because he did This Is Us. Yeah. But he also did Grandfathered and Gallivant and a bunch of different things. So he's done drama. He's done comedy. Again, same kind of mesh. Okay. Here's here's what I propose. Uh, I mean, we get full credit. Yeah. No, it's – it's it's no, no, no. It's you and I would – the screenplay credit would be you and I and then in addition, it would be like you and I get the ampersand and he gets the, just the full he on and. and. He gets the and. Like he did a draft after us to like make it all like polished and Got much, it. much better. But yes, yeah, you yeah. and I get – He gives it the Hollywood treatment. Exactly. You and I get first – like first stabbed yeah. at it, he falls through and really just like drives it home. That's right. So when we go on the we, – we do all the screenings and like there's a screening at the Guild, all three of us are on stage. Exactly. Like what they did for Blade Runner 2049. Perfect. Because there's the guy who wrote the original Blade Runner movie and he wrote the first draft in 2049. Yeah. And then they got it, brought in the guy from like Heroes and a bunch of other shows and was like, all right, and you just like kind of rewrote the whole thing. But they're both on stage. They're both there. Yeah. It's kind of like why Zach Penn is still credited for the first draft of the Avengers. He's like, he's still credited <laughs> on the final movie. He's like, there's no Zach Penn in this. No. No. It's fine. It's great. It's whatever. Just throw him a bone. <laughs> you know what? Give the man some money. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> we went through a lot. So I'm not going to go back all over that. But we have a five movie arc. I don't really have someone to be like to play. All right, who would you cast as Brainiac? I don't have anyone. We for didn't this. do Brainiac. Oh, oh, because it needs to be cracker. someone who could be mechanical, but also someone who you know is an actor. Oh. And the thing about Brainiac is Brainiac creates his own body, so he can look like anyone. Okay. Yeah. And you could go full Joan of Arcadia, and it could be played by a variety of different actors. But I don't think that's really interesting. I think you could cast someone like Zachary Quinto. I like Zachary Quinto a lot. That's a good choice. Um, oh, you know, okay, so have you been watching Westworld? I've not. Uh, okay. There's a character actor on there. His name's Jimmy Simpson. He might be a little bit too – he's got a bit of a weird look. And he, like, but he's really, really good. I can maybe see him playing that part. IMDb does not have a photo of Jimmy Simpson. He might be under here as James Simpson. Oh, it's J-I-M-M-I. What? I know, it's weird. What is this madness? Oh, I like him. Yeah, he's I've, seen him, he's... I've seen him in a bunch of different stuff. I first saw him in Psych. Okay, yes, he's great in Psych. He's a, I mean, I think he's, he's a, a really weird. good Jimmy Olsen. I, you know, so the funny thing is, the, I, I think of him because of Westworld. Just the particular role he plays in Westworld is like again, one of those guys. Like, there's this weird balance to him being very dark, but also like you can tell there's a natural lightness to him as a person. Mm-hmm. So when he goes dark, it's this weird kind of like middle ground that I find interesting. That's kind of what he is in Psych as well. Yeah. I think that's super interesting. I don't know if that works for Brainiac. Yeah, I don't know if it does. Mm. We need someone who is – we need Spock. Yeah, I think I think Zachary Quinto is a very, very good choice there. I'm just proud of myself for being able to remember his name. No, that's very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm good with that. I'm going to go with, go with Zachary Quinto. All right. It's Brainiac. It's a pretty solid list we got there. So I'm going to go not over our five-movie arc, but let me go through who we have. Yeah. So our director is Beth McCarthy-Miller. Just kind of a cool idea. It definitely won't be her, but I think that'd be super fun. I'm, I'm all on board for it, though. The writers are us. Yes. Chris Lord and Sam Gash, and then Dan Fogelman helped. Yeah. For our roles, Zod would be played by Aidan Gillen. Ursa is Lena Headey, and Non is Rory McCann. Our Jonathan is Tim Daly. Our Martha is Octavia Spencer. Perry White is Clancy Brown. Jor-El is Burt Reynolds. Brainiac will be played by Zachary Quinto. Jimmy Olsen is Naomi Scott. Mercy is going to be played by the fantastic Emily Blunt. Lois Lane will be Rashida Jones. Lex Luthor will be played by Mashahala Ali. And Superman and Clark Kent will be played by Joe Alwyn. I love it. I'm on board. Or an unknown that we discover who is like the per- perfect Really has it. Yeah. yeah. Ah, I'm down. I love it all. Open casting for Superman. Yep. <laughs> well, that's what they do for these sorts of movies, right? No, I think you have to do. Like, and, and, you know, I mean, they kind of went for that even with Solo, just that they didn't make the right choice. 
But they, I mean, I remember for Ready Player One, they were like, we're searching for Wade Watts. And I was like, okay, great. And I remember sending an audition video because like at the time I would have been, I would have been great casting. Mm-hmm. But then they still yeah. went with the kid who played Cyclops. And I'm like, yeah, no. He's fine. Just didn't, yeah. I, I have so many problems with Ready Player One. I, I had fun with it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. A lot of people enjoyed it. They're wrong. Anyway. <laughs> Everyone is entitled to their wrong opinion. <laughs> Correct. So, yeah. So, I think this is a fun series of movies. Would you I'm watch down. these fun series of movies? Well, of course. We yeah, wrote them. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Where can people find you on the internet? What should people be listening to and following you on? Uh, well, they should check out my podcast, Tim Talk, Tim with two M's. Uh, to hear me talk lots, lots more about Superman and Batman and Absolutely. other time, just random bullshit, which is what I love to do. Um, and we are Tim Talk on like iTunes and Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. And we are as a podcast at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Uh, if you go way back to almost got him, right? That was the episode you guessed it yep. on. Yeah. We've also talked about maybe like revisiting some of the best episodes and like doing follow ups on them because be like fun. sometimes we go through them so quickly. Well, you still have the almost got him game that we haven't played. For your I bonus know episode. we still need to. Oh my god, we still need to do that. I haven't played it yet though. I neither have I. Yeah, so we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> I absolutely want to do that because that sounds amazing. Yeah, we uh, we do need to do that. that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, I am personally at Lordifer. Uh, it's my last name and my first name, Lord Ofer, not like Lucifer, uh, <laughs> on Instagram it's and like Christopher, Twitter. but with Lord at the beginning. Exactly. Great. Yeah. That's me. If you're interested in finding more about this podcast, you should go on Twitter and Facebook and we're, it's Ideal Remake. It's great. You should follow us and like us on both those places. If you're interested in finding out about me, I'm Sam Gash on also those places. Just just do Twitter. Don't, don't find me on Facebook. That's weird. Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H on Twitter. And I think this is super fun. This was really fun. Thanks so much for having me on here. I got to come back. Yeah, you absolutely do because we need to talk about The Rocketeer. Yeah, and prepare for it to be probably another one of your longest episodes because I don't shut up. I'm prepared for that. It's going to be great. (laughs) But yeah, thanks for guesting and this is awesome. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. Bye. Bye.